Good morning and welcome to Wanda's Picks, the Black Arts and Cultural Program with the African Sisters Media Network. And that was the Slave uh, Rebellion Reenactment um, Chorus. We were on our way to New Orleans, uh, victory or death. And this um, was a part of the Slave Rebellion Reenactment um, uh, conceived in by Dred Scott. Uh, wonderful artists out of New York, and and what we did November 8th and 9th last year was reimagine with our bodies um, the largest slave revolt in the United States history, and it actually occurred today, um, January 8th um, through 10th in 1811 along the German coast, uh, which is... Um, the uh, east bank of the Mississippi River uh, in what's now called St. John the Baptist, St. Charles, and Jefferson Parishes in Louisiana. And I'm going to just read a little from this wonderful book, On to New Orleans, Louisiana's Historic 1811 Slave Revolt, a brief history and documents relating to the rising of slaves in January 1811 by the territory of Orleans by Albert Thrasher. And um, reading to you from page 50, just sort of um, a little bit of what happened that early morning um, over 200 years ago. Uh, let's see, where should I start? <laughs> on on Tuesday, January 8th, just after sundown, the call was given. The slave mutiny was launched at the Andrew Plantation, located some 36 miles above the city on the east bank of the Mississippi River. Today, the front of this plantation would be situated along the Mississippi River with its median line running along Cardinal Street in Laplace. On that fateful evening, Andrew's slaves filed out of their quarters, attacked the slave drivers and the family of Manuel Andrew. In a short time, the slaves took control of the plantation. However, Manuel Andre, the owner, was wounded but able to escape. He crossed the river to the West Bank and sought aid in organizing forces to crush the revolt. Thus began a new stage in the revolt, now the largest plantation on the east bank of the river in St. John the Baptist Parish had fallen and been added to the liberated area. In the action at the Andre Plantation, the rebels took a few muskets and some sabers. They took gunpowder from a nearby mill. But as we find out later, the slaves were woefully short on weapons and ammunition. Apparently, the rebels were counting on a much larger haul of guns since Andre once housed a small arsenal at his place and that he was the commandant for the parish for many years. However, it turned out that most of the weapons had been moved. Since the revolutionary Africans committed themselves to the very end, this corps of fighters armed themselves with what agricultural tools were at hand. They grabbed hold of hoes, machetes, clubs, tree branches, spears, and the like. What they lacked in guns they made up with determination, strong organization, and discipline. Charles Gayari 
and I might be pronouncing his name wrong, Gayar, the well-known mouthpiece of the slave owners, grudgingly commented on their exceptional organization in his sketchy account of the revolt. And here's a quote. The rebels, he recounts, quote, marched along the river toward the city, divided into companies, each under an officer, with the beat of drums and flags displayed, end quote. Another well-known spokesman for the slave owners and the present-day capitalist class, the historian Joe Taylor, also admired the organization of the, sla- of the rebel slaves. He gives this account in his book, Negro Slavery in Louisiana. Quote, Some 500 blacks were involved, and their organization was advanced to the point that they were divided into companies, each under an officer. The array was armed with whatever weapons came to to hand, mainly agricultural implements. The Negroes advanced down the river road with flags flying and drums beating, and on to New Orleans was their cry, end quote. As the rebels set out for the city, knowing that a stern and difficult struggle lay ahead, we can imagine their minds returned to the African elders who charged them to, quote, die a glorious death rather than live a miserable life, end quote. Or maybe their minds recalled the challenge Dessalines, Jean-Jacques Dessalines, put to his fellow revolutionary Africans in Haiti, quote, those who wish to die free rally around me now, end quote. Oral history tells us that Charles Dessalines and his compatriots declared for freedom or death, defying the whites and declaring themselves to be free, said one source. They swept downriver with enthusiasm. Another historian, Marcus Christian, records that the rebel slaves marched to the accompaniment of drums and waving of flags. The slaves shouted their determination for freedom in native African chants. The goal of the uprising was to overpower the whites and march on to New Orleans. Emboldened by their success, said historian John S. Kendall, the blacks prepared to attack the city. There were in their ranks men who had participated in the uprising in uh, Haiti, and these took command of the movement. A visitor in the city at the time of the revolt reported in a letter to the New York Evening Post that the uprising was a miniature representation of the horrors of of St. Domingo, or Haiti. As to why the rebel slaves were going to New Orleans, Jupiter, a Congo slave from the Andrew Plantation, said to destroy the whites. In other words, to overthrow their oppressors who destroy the power of the white rulers. Neither the written nor oral history has left us many of the details of the actual progress of the march down the river road. Therefore, we are forced to rely on various sketchy reports gleaned from documents, government and private, and use our knowledge of similar developments in other slave revolts to piece together a chronology. However, it is a well-known fact that at each plantation, the slaves abandoned their tasks to join the rebels. And there's a subtitle, Lightning Detachment. The vanguard departed for the Andrew Plantation led by Charles Dessalons and several others on horseback. A long column stretched out behind them. They immediately entered upon plantations of widows, George and Jacques Dessalons. Here, the slave named Zeno led others to join in. Moving on, they came to the plantation of George Winprinter, and here the slave named Hans and others fell in line. As the procession crossed on to the plantation of 
uh, Achille Trard, the slave named Matherin, boldly came forth and enrolled many others. He fought with saber in hand. Achille Trard, the parish judge and owner of Matherin, was barely able to escape from the rebels. Trard and his two nieces fled into the cane fields and hid for several days and were rescued only after January 12th. The rebel army quickly passed over into St. Charles Parish and spread the rising to Africans on the big plantations of Nicholas Pacu and the adjacent farmer William Kenner and Stephen Henderson. An African named Francois at the Pacu spread rallied others to join in. At the Kenner place, all the adult men joined in, led by Africans named Harry, Gwen, Bassan, and Lindor. At this point, Lindor brought out a drum and placed himself alongside the other drummers in front of the leaders on horseback. The message was being sent to the fighters miles downriver to come forward and rally to the cause as planned. In unison with the drums and others blowing on reed quills, the fighters sang various African martial songs, thus to stiffen their militancy and resolve. This light infantry of Africans and some native people had swelled many times its initial size. They cut across the plantation of Widow Jane, excuse me, Widow Jean Bar, uh, Tripangner, and Francois de Homme, the former encompassing what is now the town of Monts, Louisiana, about 30 miles above New Orleans. Here, the slave army absorbed many more recruits. The African named Big Baptiste was a principal leader in on Willow Chapanger's farm, and likewise at the Daham spread. The slaves named uh, Dagobert, Pierre, Alo, Akara, Lindor, Sarar, Panch Jose, Jacques, Robert, and a team were extremely energetic fighters who came aboard. And Ashe to all of these ancestors. Ashe, Ashe, Asheo. Alo of the Delham Ponce Plantation came forward with a saber. The slave named Hippolyte of the Jean Bar Trepangler Plantation grabbed his master's horse and fell in line. Other active fighters, including uh, Bartholomew, Joseph, Louis and Charlotte. At this point, the sun was about to rise on Wednesday morning, January 9th. The rebels had covered about six miles since they left Andrew's plantation. Now they crossed into, onto the plantation of James Brown. This land is located at the eastern end of what is today Bon Carré Spillway. Here, the Africans named Cook, Kwamina, Robain, Peter, and Andrew took the lead in arousing support for the rising. They brought out a good-sized crowd. As they moved on, their numbers had expanded to about 400. Before them stood the plantation of Francois Trepangner, the son of Elizabeth Jean Barr Trepangner. Today, this land is occupied by the Shell Petroleum Company's chemical division in Norco, Louisiana. Unfortunately for him, Jean-Francois Trepangner was not warned in time and was not able to escape. He was captured, denounced, and executed. 
From the Francois Chapangner Plantation, the rebels pushed further downriver, crossing the plantation of the Labranche brothers, namely Druzen, Jean-Baptiste, and Lucine. This land is occupied the Good Hope Oil Refinery, the most easterly part of the town of Norco. At this plantation, the most active fighters were slaves named St. Bernard, Jean-Baptiste, Baptiste, Bernard, Cape Town, Charles, Cook, Eugene, and Louise. They all fell in line and agitated for others to come aboard. Pressing further downriver, the African slave army passed onto the plantation of Bernard Bernodi. Today, most of this land is occupied by the Trans-American Refining Corporation downriver from Norco. The following Africans stood out for their involvement in the mutiny. Louise, Valentine, uh, Lexaterre, Baptiste, Etienne, who fought on horse, Pierre, Monaga, and Augustine also joined on horseback. With their new recruits, the rebel mass next passed quickly over some small plantations operated by Alexander Lebranche, Joseph Divernay, and his son, Muller. Entering upon the farm of James Chabernet and his mother, they were met with enthusiastic support from the slave quarters. Here, a slave named Amar was most resolute, a most resolute fighter who brought others with him. Joining in was Francois, who was armed with a saber. The slave army was now confronted with a major challenge of winning over the Africans at the huge plantation of Richard Butler and Samuel McCutcheon, which lay directly in front of them. Today, this place is known as the Ormond Plantation, some 20 miles above New Orleans. But there was no doubt that the majority of the Africans were with them all the way. The Africans named Simeon Hop. Abraham, Dawson, Colas, Philip, Mingo, Pierre, Perry, and Ephraim were exceptional in their support for the rising and rousing of others to join in at Ormond. Leaving Ormond, this black uh, phalanx passed on to the lands of Jacques Liverdas, and here the plantation house was burned down to the cheers of the throngs. Next, down river lay the plantation of Jean Arnaud. The Africans named Jean, Thomas, and Cesar led the other slaves in support for the conquering army at this post. It was now in the late afternoon and their numbers, this is um, the second day, this first full day, and this is uh, January 9th, 1811. It was now late in the afternoon, and their numbers had swelled to over 500 fighters. They were poised to embark on the plantation of Jean-Noël Destrin, the largest in the area. Support for the rising was strong here, too. The most active fighters included slaves named Big Linder, Little Linder, Stador, Jean, Jasmine, Little Baptiste, Bastien, Colas, James, Simon or Sim, Simone, Lafleur, Azur, Sasson, and Noel, among others. Antony, Monaga, and Big Hyacinth came aboard on horseback. The pace of the march was very fast and hectic, but the Africans could not be deterred. They now marched across the plantation of um, Adelard Fortier. Here, several slaves stood out 
for their contributions to the struggle, namely Donna Paul armed with a rifle, Raymond armed with a cane knife. On a, one account says that all the adult males at Forty Years Place joined in the march. Pushing on, the rebels pass onto the plantation of Alexander LeBranche in the St. Rose area. The Africans named Raymond and Gabriel armed with a knife, and the team were very active. Also, the rebels burned to the ground a guest house occupied by a doctor named Jean Leclarve, who was a refugee from the African Revolt in, in Haiti several years earlier. As they passed on to the adjoining plantation of Pierre Rain, the slaves burned down the main plantation house there, too. Next, the rebels came to the plantation of Pierre Marie uh, Cabaret de Chippe. This plantation was located just upriver from what is today Route 626 along the River Road. Here, slaves named Cesar, Dianca, and Ruben took leading positions. Pushing further on, the rebel army passed over to the plantation of Jean-Francois Pissoris as they continued downriver. But this was only a buildup for the next major undertaking, the plantation of Louise Augustine Million. Here the support was strong, and the Africans named Victoria, Lindor, Stanabar, Julian, Theodore, and Boliar, Bolet. Bolay rallied the masses with a passion. Lindor conducted his agitation from horseback. The main plantation house was set on fire, and only one slave among 70 adults even attempted to put it out. It was eventually burned to the ground. It is now past 5 p.m., day two, and the slave army pushing further downriver passes over the estate of Zenon Trudeau and came upon the plantation of Lily Sharpie and Israel F. Trask, which lands are located within Jefferson Parish and are now occupied by the Mosant Airport. At the Sapi Estate, the slaves Jean-Baptiste and Paul stood out as leaders. At the Trask Farm, slaves named Jean, Jean-Vierre, Hector, Louise, a woman, Reuben, and Cesar were very active. The fighting detachment passed on to the plantation of Jacques Fortier. This land is now covered by the old downtown section of the town of Kenner. Two of the most active fighters here were Neptune and Jerry, and apparently all the slaves on this estate sided with the rebels. At this point, the number of insurgents was well above 500. They were nearly exhausted and very hungry, having covered nearly 25 miles. This despite the horrible weather, the cold and the mud that make, made every step a real exertion. At the 40-year place, they planned to stay the night and resume their advance on the city promptly the next morning. They stationed sentinels to guard their perimeter and set about cooking a meal and retiring. For tomorrow would be the most important day. If all went well, a direct attack on the city, New Orleans, was within reach. So, again, uh, I was reading from this wonderful, wonderful book, On to New Orleans, Louisiana's Historic 1811 Slave Revolt, A Brief History and Documents by Albert Thrasher, T-H-R-A-S-H-E-R. And I read um, uh, a few pages, uh, page fifty. 
through um, the top of page 53. And in the book, um, he also, you know, sort of puts this particular rebellion in the context of other rebellions and continues. And what I really like about about this book are all of the primary sources um, insofar as uh, transcripts from the uh, the trials, letters from the governor at that time, um, bios on on the on the uh, the rebel army. Um, gosh, there's just so much good material here. So I highly recommend that folks um, get the book. You can uh, you can get it from uh, you can get it online because Mr. Thrasher. Um, I'm trying to think where did I get this? I got this from the community bookstore in New Orleans, but I saw it online um, through the organ through the uh, organization that does um, African-centered tours of of New Orleans and Louisiana um, proper in that area. So. What I'm going to play now, <laughs> trying to figure out um, sort of uh, which one of these um, these conversations with the Army I'm going to play. Uh, and also I had an interview with um, Dred Scott, but I thought it would be really, um, really great to hear from reenactors. So I am going to, um, I am going to play the... Um, Gosh, I'm going to play day one. I think I'm going to play uh, Conversation with the Army um, day two, um, which was really informative. I mean, they're all really great. We actually had we had conversations on on November 20th, November 21st, and November 27th, and uh, and they were all different. November 27th was great because um had a chance to um not just have members of the um of of the uh the liberation chorus uh in the studio. We also had an opportunity to to have um Dred Scott join us in conversation. So I was thinking, god, maybe I should play the 27th again. Um but I really I really liked them all. So I think I think I'll start with um with uh the last conversation on the twenty seventh and um and and then maybe work our way in the other direction. Little silence here. the right song. Sorry. <laughs> oh, darn. Oh, here we are.
Good morning and welcome to Wanda's Picks, a black arts and cultural program of the African Sisters Media Network. And that was Zion Trinity singing opening prayer for the African deity, Eshulegba, a deity that lets us know that we always have choices. We are never victims. And we are so excited to have in the studio Slave Rebellion reenactment army members, veterans. <laughs> and we're going to talk about the historic uh, German Coast Uprising, January 1811, that took place in southeast Louisiana, and the reenactment, um, sort of spearheaded by artist Dred Scott out in New York, um, where on November 8th and 9th we continued the march, you know, along the river uh, road into New Orleans, and we took over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, because um, there's so many of us I was thinking we could uh, maybe um, You know, maybe one at a time um, You know, talk about the reenactment You know, sort of what what brought you to uh, to New Orleans um, You know, um, to march into New Orleans You know, freedom or death and uh, And then we could just, you know, keep the conversation rolling So I'm going to let you introduce yourselves um, we have another person that joined us. Two, three, okay, um, four. So, wow, this is so awesome. And maybe some other people might join us. We have a couple of hours, so we have a long time to talk. So um, so whoever wants to start can start, and then um, we'll continue. So, Camilla, uh, Moses, uh, Okpodu, do you want to start since this is your third conversation? Yes. <laughs> Wanda, um, good morning, everyone. Um, I'm Camelia Moses of Hodu. I'm um, the Dean of the College of Arts and Science at Xavier University. I came to New Orleans um, about a year ago from the Hampton Roads area, where I was involved um, very extensively in the 1619 project, Making of America, and also did research on the Emancipation Oak which is um, near Hampton University's campus in Hampton, Virginia. And so I've been very interested in this aspect of our uh, personhood in America. My, I, I'm a biochemist by training, so my work on the Emancipation Oak was I did some molecular um, genetic stuff to show that there were some trees that were in the city of Hampton that were genetically very closely, closely related to the Emancipation Oak, suggesting they were planted after in the city by um, persons who um, were perhaps all uh, uh, ancestors and who had gotten some of the cuttings from the tree and planted it. So one project I mm. did with students who kept them from um, cutting that tree down uh, in the city. So I came here, I was expecting great things moving to New Orleans because it's a it's just got a whole different culture than the than the East Coast, and so when I found out about this, because Andrea Scott came to our university to give a presentation, so I immediately went up and said, "Can I? How do I? How do I participate?" So, and here I met you, Wanda. The first day I was only able to do the first day, um, 
and I don't know how I did the first day because, as we talked before, I don't exercise regularly, and not enough to walk the 12 hours or 16 miles we walked that day. It was only by the grace of God and our ancestors pushing me forward because I have a real bad knee, and but I was determined to make the um, so nobody was going to turn me around. So that's how I got here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, uh, Kelsey, um, want to be next? Sure. Good morning, Wanda. Good morning, everyone. It's great to hear your voices Good morning. And, and be connected again. Uh, I am a Pittsburgh and Brooklyn-based theater artist and musician, and um, I took an interest in this project. A friend told me about it, who's also an artist, because of a, um, a project that I've been working on. It's called Talking with Ghosts About Freedom, and the goal for Talking with Ghosts About Freedom is actually to cross the country from the south to the north while visiting these different abolitionist sites and collecting histories about uprisings, about rebellion, and about, um, you know, slavery told from a non-passive perspective. And uh, and so I first heard about Dred Scott's project back in 2017, and I thought that it just sounded like something I had to be a part of. And... Um, and that's what brought me there to to New Orleans, and um, it was an incredible experience. And I think that you know everyone who was there feels a stronger sense of connectivity to to our ancestors and to also continuing the conversations about um, the legacy of slavery and how it affects all of us in our day to day lives and then in our work. Um, and so that. That's how I got there, and and it was a thrill to be there, and I'm really, really honored to have been a part of it. Mm, yeah, and what was special about um, sort of the section that that you and I and and Jordan Lake, who's on the on the uh, on the air with us presently, um, and I don't know how many others were part of the uh, the Freedom Corps. Victoria's with us here too, right? Here. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. We yeah. we we created thinking... a new soundtrack. It was heck of awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was you you'd, that you'd ask job, folks right? what their um right, you yes, know, totally. the album. Yeah, totally. Got to totally drop the album. But you know, you'd ask about what it, what weapons people were carrying, and I said day one I was carrying a hay fork, and day two I was carrying a tambourine. And I thought that was kind of a a beautiful metaphor in general for how we, you know, turn our adversities into art and how we live our lives and and choose to make meaning from our lives and that we can have these, um, you know, that we were able to all come together. And day two was a completely different experience for me and I think for all of us who were in our section in particular than day one is um, because that that music really united us. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, certainly, certainly. Yeah. Yeah. So, Jarden. Hi, hi. Good to have you okay. on. Hi. Yeah. Hi, you all. I, <laughs> I feel a little like I feel a little like Grandpa because I was like, "Is this thing on? I can't hear anything. I don't know." <laughs> um, but uh, now I understand. You just call it, and now you join the the rest of uh of the uh, folks. But yeah, so um, mm-hmm. Wanda, thanks for having um me on. Thanks for kind of creating a space to open up this moment for us to reflect. I think it's, um, yeah, there's still just, like, so many reflections, you know, coming off of this. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, so um, I'm Jarden. I live in New Orleans. Um, I'm from Florida, Jacksonville. 
you know, I just like always for a very long time been so like deeply, deeply, deeply interested in just like stories of like resistance, rebellion. I am a big rebel myself. <laughs> um, um, and I think that's some of the energy um, that like brought me to Slave Rebellion reenactment was like, wait a second, we get a chance to like kind of like relive <laughs> this like buck on the system moment, you know, in this polit- in this particular time, <laughs> in this um, political moment, you know, like there's so many parallels um, to, you know, what it, what it might mean to um, resist against like all the systematic stuff today um, and what was happening, you know, in 1811. So I was like, absolutely, you don't have to worry about sending me the invite. I'm there, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Um, and, um, and so, yeah, and then, and then what came together was just wild and incredible. I mean, you know, I don't know if a lot of people spoke to this, but it was also like a reunion. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. I actually knew, knew Kelsey very briefly from, um, Mm -hmm. this, uh, Afro-Brazilian, um, company that's here in New Orleans called Casa Samba. We met sometime, what, last fall, Kelsey, or something like that? January. Okay, January, January there you go. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And so there it was. Here we were then all the way out La Place in our like enslaved regalia. <laughs> you know, and you look up and it's Looking like, at oh, each other that's like, a homie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do I know you? In a whole different look and in a whole different kind of makeup. I mean, there was another friend um who came all the way you came all the way from Pittsburgh, huh, Kelsey? There was someone else mm-hmm. who came from from D.C. I mean, people right. Really, it came from Pittsburgh really like, and just happened to be studying with um with Casa Samba there with Mama Carol and right and Brother Pierre and, right and, um, right and it right. was but really we had ended up at Brother Pierre's house sort of by chance and got a chance to play some percussion together some music one together night. exactly so mm-hmm. yeah we had we actually had a little we actually we've been here before in a sense but then. I feel like as as members of the army, man, we really got a chance to just throw down. But and also just speaking to the point of how far and wide people came. You know, it was wild to hear people say that they came from California, from New York, from Detroit, and so forth. And so I think um, I think symbolically, um, it spoke a lot to also you know what it might mean, what it might have meant even from like black nations to be represented from all across the continent, probably largely West Africa, and in the same symbolic mm-hmm. way for, for us to be gathered together, you know, um, in mm-hmm. New Orleans and La Place, you know, kind of as like as well as indigenous multi-tribe folks, sort of, you know, call that we took to participate in this. There's just so many parallels, I feel like, from that you can make to just like the way people of African descent move and, and put possibly, possibly, you know, some of the ways that black people were socially and politically even kind of organizing themselves then to now how mm-hmm. some of this came together. And I would say, like, I know we kept calling it a performance, but it was so much mm-hmm. more than that. I really strongly feel like, you know, uh, the majority of people who, who decided to participate in this, they didn't say, oh, you know, it's cool. I want to be, you know, in this performance. Like, I'm I'm going to... <laughs> To New Orleans, right. you know, I right. think people people were really kind of called to this through the spirit of of like ancestral um, memory, uh, a calling ancestrally, spiritually, and just also in the in the kind of 
spirit of like black liberation, even if you don't necessarily identify yourself as an organizer, or activist, you know, a, a liberationist. But that that's a lot of the spirit that I also think came forward, you know, as part of this. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Really well said. Yeah, certainly, certainly. I also want to yeah. Um, what we're saying that we had a lot of folks coming out coming out too from indigenous communities, and that there's a strong yes, intersection there with mm-hmm, with um, marooning communities and and um, not only folks with black ancestral ties but also indigenous American folks too. And that's really yeah. important considering tomorrow, right? Uh, indigenous um, People's Day, and if you don't, that's if you like reject the Thanksgiving, right? Yeah, know the, the history of it, and yeah, it's uh, once you once you read about that and get woke, like it's just really hard to like go along with like Thanksgiving. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this mm-hmm. is Nicole Eugene. I yeah have um I actually learned about the the project by reading uh, the Vanity Fair article, and when I saw that that they're going to be crossing where I where I grew up, um mm. that it was something that I really wanted to, to be a part of um, because because the levees that we because um, I grew up in in the um, St. Rose not St. Rose, St. Charles mm-hmm. area yeah. and went mm-hmm. to the uh, the white Catholic church, I don't know if y'all noticed it were we passing it before we got to the plantation that was my mm-hmm. elementary school um, mm. and wow. I didn't know for sure that, you know, that we were going to be doing that but, but that what we ended up doing and that was really that was really powerful um, because we still have connections there we still have family off, off the levee um, but but I really wanted to be a part of this because um, a, a number a number of reasons but but it, it connects me to to this resistance right but it also connects me to this history and um, and so part of what what happens when your family like uproots you from you know these systems of extended families, you you, you feel disconnected. And so this was a really a really powerful way of of uh, trying to uh, re uh, reinvigorate like my connections to to this place um, because I'm looking forward to doing more research on on this this cancer alley and and these this experience of of being black in in these these, these spaces where where our health and, and our lives are really shaped by living in a system that doesn't really value in us the way we, the way that we uh, value each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Tell us your name again. This is Nicole Eugene. Uh, Nicole. Yeah, yeah, oh, okay. Nicole Eugene. Yes. <laughs> Right. Oh, yeah. Good. Oh, I'm, I'm wow. At University of Houston, Victoria. I mean, University of Houston. Yeah, Victoria. Um, and so I was happy to to fly out there for mm-hmm. for it. Yeah. Yeah. So you have a visceral connection because um, you know mm-hmm. that's 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 your land too. You know. Yeah. Wow. That's really that's wonderful. Um, yeah. Yeah. And um, let's see. We've got. Um, uh, Miss Andrea, we have to, um, you know, um, send some prayers for her. She ended up not feeling well, and so she had to go yes. to emergency this morning. So we're going to mm-hmm. send some good energy her way, so hopefully she'll feel better. Um, 
So, um, Uncle Bobby and Sister Beatrice, I don't think they're with us. Um, what about, um, hmm, who else is in the studio? I think I heard. Um, oh, um, studio Victoria? Mm-hmm. I'm here. Yay, Victoria. How y'all doing? I miss you guys. Yeah. <laughs> you too. Um, yeah, good morning. My name is Victoria Grubbs. Uh, really grateful for this opportunity just to hear folks' reflections. You know, the end of, of the reenactment was the hardest part for me. I was like, oh, snap, it's over. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> It's not over. It's never over. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess just to sort of echo what everybody else has been saying about how I came to the performance, um, it was just a friend who lives in New Orleans who sent it to me. Um, it was actually a white friend that I have who was like, yeah, I don't, and she's like, I think I'm too white for this, but I think you might be into it. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's my shit. So I immediately bought a ticket. I was in it the moment I heard about it. And I think that kind of urgency is something that other people have been saying. Like, it just felt like as soon as you knew that was an opportunity that you could have, it wasn't one you were going to miss. And I think that speaks to how, the singularity of that experience, like being able to be in a public space, um, sort of armed to the teeth, able to sort of release mm-hmm. all of this this rage that we just sort of like deal with on a daily basis or like, I'm mad, but I guess I'll be all right. Like, that was just really healthy and, um, and really, really empowering and um, just also the, the chance to be surrounded um, you know, with the with the voices of other people who are who are feeling the same thing, I feel really lucky to have been there. So, mm-hmm. yeah, cool. Awesome. And uh, yeah, um, let's see, uh, who else is with us that hasn't had an opportunity to uh, to share yet? Oh, uh, this is Carrie. Can you hear me? Oh yeah, hey, hey Carrie. Carrie. <laughs> Hi, I'm. Oh cool, my, Nice to. See you all again. Hear you. Uh, so my, my name is Carrie Hawks. I use the uh, pronouns they, them, and theirs. And I came from Brooklyn, New York. Um, I heard about it actually. Dred Scott is my friend and my neighbor, so I was at his New Year's party last January, and he mentioned he was doing this project, and I was like, "That's cool." And then I saw his wife at a party, and she's like, "You know, you should go." And I was like, "Oh," it like hadn't dawned on me that I could participate in it um so i spoke with him like at his house he showed me the vanity fair article and i just talked about um why i wanted to be in the project like the main one of the main reasons is just like i want to be around hundreds of other people who also think that a slave rebellion is a good idea because i think there just be like a lot of commonality in political outlook and energy and just sometimes just putting myself in the room where things like that and then seeing what happens afterwards. Um, so I was really excited to go down the day, a be- couple days before I was spitting up blood and my feet had cracked. Um, but I went to the doctor and I just asked like, can I get on a plane? He's like, yeah, I was like, great. So I was going to be there no matter what. Um, and I knew Dredd and I knew his wife. I knew I met the person who wrote the Vanity Fair article, but other than that, I was just going blind, but um, it was such a, a wonderful experience. Julian, Julian. yeah. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, it was such a wonderful experience to be in, and then being in the Freedom Choir, and even like <laughs> the first day was like super long day, super cold, and just like the amount of community and like spontaneous singing and dancing was just yeah. beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, and each of us getting our, like our weapons. I had a shovel, and it was funny like. One day I, I had to go to the bathroom and I came back. They're like, oh, that's Carrie's shovel. I, like, just identified with my object so quickly, and I was like, yeah. <laughs> all around, like this is now an extension of who I am for two days. Um, so, so, yeah, it was just – I mean, it was frustrating, and I got angry at some point, but it's like, every emotion, and I think that's, that's what it needed to be. Um, and then the ending and the celebration, and then it was, it was wonderful – and uh, after that, I was just like, I don't want to talk to anybody for two days. It was a little overload for me. Um, yeah. And I ran, I ran into one of the organizers. And, and that's the what you after. just carried. The overwhelming feeling, I think all of us probably said the same thing. And, and, and the fact that you said about you being identified with your um, shell was also very, very interesting. I, um, I remember what the dancing you guys were doing because I couldn't dance because of my knee. <laughs> so I was watching that first day, and and you reminded mm-hmm. me, I'm sitting here thinking about the cold, how cold it was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I was freezing, I don't know about mm-hmm. the rest of y'all. But we had all the fun. And by the end of day one, we're all wrapped in blankets, mm-hmm. sitting on the dirt on the roadside there, right? Just kind of mm-hmm. trying to to gather ourselves and, and all of those emotions, all those things that were coming up. Uh, it was really interesting. I Towards the end of day one, I was in a group of folks that kind of, it felt like I got left behind almost, um, mm-hmm. and we started to pull apart a bit, and mm-hmm. and we were able to, because of that, we were able to have these sort of more subtle one-on-one conversations. Um, I met a guy and had a really nice, like, long, slow chat while we were teaching each other things and sharing, you know, each other, sharing stories and um and in that way, I felt like this would have been these sort of very intimate, like, moments of uh, connectivity with folks, um, just weaving in and out of those and moments of being a part of, like, a mass mob kind of a situation um, <laughs> felt really felt really real, felt really natural as, like, you know, how, how people continue to move forward together when they're a part of something like this. Um, but then it also felt, I don't know if anyone else was there with me in that group that kind of like towards the end, we were really lagging behind and it felt like, do we have the strength? Do we have the, you know, there was a, young, a really young woman who was with us. She couldn't have been more than 20 years old and, and she was so cold and she almost started to cry. And I felt like this rush of maternal energy. It was mm-hmm. just like, I have to take care of this baby. And mm-hmm. And there was something that also felt like, wow, we, this is how connected we are. And this is how it would have been. Like, we are in this together. And we have to yes, keep each yeah. other warm and fed and, and in good spirit and, you know, and marching onwards. Yeah. Yeah, I felt like, well, Carrie, I don't know if you were, like, still trying to get some reflections out. And then I wanted to say some things to what you said, uh, uh, Kelsey. But I, I wanted to also here that maybe Carrie was also still kind of mid-sitting somewhere in there? Is that true? Oh, yeah. Um, I don't know what I was saying, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe it'll come back to me. Okay, okay. Uh, well, again, to what, you, <laughs> well, to what you were saying, Kelsey, you know, 
Yeah, like the first day was super brutal, I felt like, you know, and we were kind of just <laughs> yeah. like, we were walking into this like, yeah, just, I don't know, I know me, super like excited, really like spry, just like, oh my gosh, this is it, like, it's go time. And then the shit just got really real, <laughs> real quick. Um, um, I think um, just with the elements, and I remember I felt like that first, the first day, it was like it was a real hike. You know, we were up on that levee, and I remember being in the middle somewhere, and it was just like you had to. It was hard to try to find a rhythm with like the squad and your own body, and you know, mm-hmm. I was playing percussion, and there was something kind of. Um, there was something really disorienting about about that yeah. just physically, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And I remember actually being angry with this, with the team, like these folks who were organizing this. I was like, can't they see we're like struggling here, you know? Like, can't they see like, you know? And I would, I, I, and then you know, you know, we kick into just like this humor, like you know, where people were like. Yo, man, I left my left leg back on that like levee about two miles ago. Like people started just like you know talking about their bodies and what was happening. We got we were like really just like wearing down and becoming so weary. And I joked, I was like, you know, so this whole project, you know, is supposedly about us being, you know, enslaved folks and they're filming it. I was like, they're really trying to run us down, <laughs> like mm. like some, some like some slaves to get that little one magic shot at the end of the day. I was like. All this other stuff we've been doing, it's actually actually nothing to do with it. It's just this moment of us being really for real worn down once we get to this battle scene, and that's the end of it, you know. But, but yeah, just, like, also along and through it, I think, like, what you're speaking to, Kelsey, like, the ways that people, this kind of, like, community and interdependent um, relationship that, like, just happens so quickly, you know, like, I was I showed care for people and people showed care for me who I didn't even get their name until maybe like we got to Congo Square at the end. You know, and you were like, Wait, what was your name? Like, thank you so much You know, and so there was also something really beautiful and just this kinda like inherent um practice of like care. I just really feel like it kinda brought us to this elevated space of being like, Look, we're out here, we need to look out for each other we want to look out for each other. You know, that was just mm-hmm. in people's spirit. And I thought that that was, there's just so many takeaways I was saying are kind of like microcosm to community organizing, you know, and it was like, it almost felt like a social experiment in and of itself. To be like, what happens when you put like 300 black people together from all walks of life, many places, many political views and social, you know, all kinds of things, you know. And watch what happens, you know. And I, I thought it was something really powerful, um, the way we were able to like love on each other and support each other. I also want to name like we weren't, you know, very much like community. We weren't all the same people, you know. Like we we weren't uh, all kind of thinking and feeling all in in one step either, you know. So it's pretty interesting to see what happens when you, you know, when you when you're in that. Did anyone, yeah, when you walked through the, on the yeah. first day, this is Camelia. When you walked through on the first day, remember when we were walking through the spillway? Did anyone yeah. get that, like, exodus kind of feeling? Like, just hmm. like we were walking between the Red Sea. That, that uh, visual <laughs> of, the, of the water being above us, and that freaked me out. I was like, Lord, mm. you know, help me through this because it's, 
the visual, it just kind of gave me almost like vertigo. Um, but I was thinking when I was walking through it, I was like, this had to be had it, how it had to be when you walk through the through the Red Sea, you know. And I, I was telling y'all when I was pouring the libation in my group, I, we poured a libation before we walked. And um, my maiden name is Moses. So I was joking. I was mm. like, this is the Moses experience here. And I'm going to pour this libation to our ancestors because we're going to acknowledge, you know, the fact that they 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 are here with us in our presence, and they're going to be with us. And I was laughing and saying, well, the, I don't know if any of the other squads or however a group poured a libation, but for us, that's probably how mentally I got through that walk because that was that was, I was like, when is this going to be over? I, this is this is the longest I've ever. I used to run track a long time ago, but this is too much. And I was just in my spirit. I was like, but when we came to that thing, and it just kind of like it was for me a spiritual recognition that we actually had accomplished something that I didn't think was for myself possible. But how it we got to the battle scene, and the fact that I had one of my faculty members, Dr. Smith. She was one of the people who um, led, you know, in the fight and the battle. And I was thinking, in her, I looked at her, and in that moment, she reminded me of a Harriet Tubman. She's not very big. And I was thinking, the smallest person is out there fighting, you know. So I don't know if, if you guys had any of those types of uh, moments of just like, wow, we're really doing this thing. Yeah, this is yeah, Kerrick again. I, I think definitely in the spillway, it was like barren, and we were removed from most. Uh, we could see a factory far off, but it was cold. It was barren. It started raining. People were cranky. People were hungry. And then it's mm-hmm. it's like, oh, this we're like actually doing a durational thing. Like we're feeling in our body a little bit of like what it is not to just be like, oh yeah, we're gonna do this thing and it's great, but like. Once you're tired and cranky, like, then you're really in it. And it also, like, beautiful moments came from that. Like, we formed a circle, and then we had a concentric circle around that, and then we all started singing together. I think yeah, that was awesome. I, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I had never expected was all the spontaneous singing that happens, because I'm not necessarily a singer. But, like, even before we left, Pat had this amazing voice, and he just started singing even hey, in Pat. the... Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Before we left, and they they were like, "Oh, okay, you know, hold on, we've got to give you instructions." And I was like, "No, okay, you can only lead so far with instructions, but then like, what erupts from from the people gathering together is also very much what we're doing there. So like that, just that songs that kept coming up, like, and once we were not on camera, we were singing modern songs, but just like that collective memory and celebration mm. was really nice." Mm-hmm. Um, did everyone get a chance to um, introduce um, him or herself or their self? Because um, I, I have more names than I heard um, speak, so I'm just checking. Nope. Okay. No problem. All righty. <laughs> yeah. I just wanted to mention that, um, you know, sort of that this whole experience kind of felt like it must have felt when our ancestors, um, you know, docked in in New Orleans, um, you know, from all different places, you know, in in uh, in the African diaspora, you know, um, mostly West Africa, but different different nations 
you know, different different cultural groups and so different languages and and you know, on that journey there were some kinship um groups started and then once we, you know, got on that block and, and people were separated, you know, there was a regrouping of other kinship, you know, grouping groups. And and so the the family, the idea of family was really fluid but nobody was left alone. Which which I think was really, really wonderful. And it kinda of felt like that, like when my bag broke and um and um uh and uh um uh, Jordan, um stopped and helped me like oh, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. gather all my stuff because I had dropped I mean, you know how those bags, they weren't real strong. <laughs> and we had a lot of things. Yeah, and it's just like it's completely broke and it's like mm-hmm. Yeah, and you helped me get all my stuff together, which was nice. And then other people helped me because um, I was like, because I had already lost the earring the day before. This was day two, mm-hmm. and I'm like, I, yeah, I, I watched my Giyami uh, G- um, earring just, it fell, and, and I couldn't get it because the soldiers were, walk, were marching on behind me, and I would have got <laughs> smashed. <laughs> so I was like, okay, well, I'll get another one. I have one earring. So anyway, um yeah, but that was really beautiful. And then I thought about the whole idea of uh, reparations, right? We talk about reparations as, um, you know, getting that money, but there's more to reparations than that. Reparations sort of reclaiming that, 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 that heritage. And, and so this was a, a physical reclamation. Like, you know, we were going on to New Orleans. We were on to, you know, finishing um, what our ancestors started. You know, it was freedom or death. And and someone already mentioned that, you know, the march continues. And, yeah, I just really, really like that idea. And then as we walked uh, on day two through the French Quarter, I hadn't even known that um, I think one of the places we passed was, was a house where they tortured, this woman tortured pe- African people. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think you all know that history when we passed that building? I mean, she was so bad, yeah. they ran her out of the country because she was yeah, going to go to prison. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 but I just know I got really angry uh, as I was walking through. I mean, I, you know, I nodded at the African people, but the other folks like, don't get too close. I got my cane knife. I might chop your head off, you know, <laughs> and, and, I, and I, so that must have been like the energy I was feeling, you know, because mm. um, I had known that history, even though I, you know, I've been to New Orleans for the Ma'afa commemoration in July and and I'm from New Orleans, but it just it just felt it just felt so real, you know, what mm-hmm. we were doing. It's like the ancestors were like coming through us and, and on Saturday, um, we called all their names, at least all the ones mm-hmm. I can pronounce. Um, together as a whole group. So we had so we actually they were walking with us, helping us, you know, mm-hmm. be able to make this, this second trek. And then when we got to Congo Square, that was just so beautiful, you know, all of us having these different circles, just just feeling so elated, like, wow, we are here. We're in New Orleans. Oh, my gosh, we're here. It was just yeah. so beautiful, just saying Ashe and Liberté, and it was just good. It was just wonderful. I had mm-hmm. a really profound connection that I didn't put together until actually just yesterday um, about ancestral names. And, and it was really beautiful the way that you started off, Wanda, on day two, sharing those names with us and, and coming together in mm-hmm. and, and sort of a a prayer and memorial that the day before there was a woman there, a Choctaw woman, Sierra, 
um, mm-hmm. who had started off with a with a prayer, and I had just found out doing some ancestral digging like uh, last year that I have some chakra in me, and I found out because um, there was a relative of mine whose name was uh, whose name was Mac Fraser, and Mac Fraser, I would see his uh, these census records where under race they were writing black and red, and mm. then I found the paper where this man was filing for citizenship to live with the Choctaw Nation after emancipation. So mm. he was, you know, a half black, half Choctaw man who decided to go and live with the Choc- with the Choctaw, you know, Federation. And I could see it all there in this paperwork. And in there they also asked him to say to list his um his owner's name, his previous owner's name. And so I started to look up this man and found, you know, um, articles that have been written about him uh, as like an Oklahoma, you know, early settler uh, that were really fascinating. And Mac Fraser had a grandson named Cesar Fraser or Caesar Fraser, and that was the name I was given on the cards when we got no way. Square. Wow. Yes. Wow. No. Yeah. So it was this amazing oh. full circle thing where I had never wow. even I've never even had the 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 opportunity to meet another Choctaw person before I met Sierra there on the first day, and then to have the name that I was given there um, when we got there to each get up on the stage and celebrate one of these people who had died in this you know in this in March um, and in this well, this when war, they were killed you know, right. Yeah. Are they killed? And uh-huh. yeah. they were killed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I I don't. That's divine. I that's divine. Guilty. Yeah. Say it again. Yes, I I said, wow. That is divine. That is divine. You know. It's incredible. That would yeah. happen. Yeah. So I definitely. Yeah. I mean, I could feel. I could feel the ancestors among us, and there was something Victoria was saying about that releasing that rage, and when we were going through those streets. In, in the French Quarter and saying, you know, if you see him, you get him, and we're going to kill the master and free the slaves, and we're going to loot the big house. Like, you know, that outrageous, you know, kind of statements full of, you, you know, full of anger, but also, like, full of so much joy and, like, full of piss and vinegar. And we're on the streets, you know, screaming and and joyfully expressing this um, with weapons in our hands. Like when else could you be that <laughs> mad and this joyful at this time, and um, and not get the cops called on you? <laughs> mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, I think y'all should. You, I want to lift up the lyrics. So the, it was like, we gon' we gon' we gon' take the land. We gon' take the land. We gon' what's the, what's the other piece? We gon' um. We we gonna kill the master. We gonna free the we slaves. Gonna take the yeah, <laughs> we yeah, we gonna free right. the slaves. We gonna take the land. Um, we gonna um, take the money. We gonna take the money. We gonna take the money. Yeah. If you see him, get him. If you see him, get him. Yeah. I saw I saw a piece on um, PBS. Uh, you know, because mm-hmm. they're still continuing to cover all this. Oh, what you sent me, uh, Kelsey. And you, that's featured in there a little bit. So, yeah, <laughs> so that's great. Uh, so big up to uh, that moment <laughs> happening in there. But I mean, that that was that was just amazing too. Like, I, I mean, 
there was just like so much culture that was created within this. You know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. I think it was like, I think when we also got into that space as like really feeling ourselves and really in our like dignity and humanity and like in that spirit of like maroonage and rebellion, we were like, okay, cool. I get the chance, you know, these like, you know, three chants, you know, haunting New Orleans, freedom of death, going to end slavery. But we need to like kind of life it up a little bit too. And so I just thought there was something really powerful, like you say, of, of one day I had this weapon, the next day I had an instrument, people using their voice, people using, like, both their machetes and, like, rocks to also make sound. Like, there was something just so, like, electric about, um, like, what came together, you know, in all these kind of multi kind of varied ways, but, but also just to shout out the Slave Rebellion Mass Choir that came together. And was something really awesome that. that it's like a baby reunion of the Mass Choir, too. Uh, Victoria's on here, Kelsey's on here, Carrie's on here, so why not, you know? But, yeah. And, and, and Miss Wanda, you know, it was just amazing, too, I think, to, like, really, like, lift our voices up and, um, yeah, like, remix some things, make songs, make harmony. I really feel like people... Um, that was to me a part of the journey where I felt like the healing really happened for me, because um, there was a just a contrast between, I think day one feeling a little feeling like a really intense um, white people gaze, and also like mm-hmm. just an intense gaze with all this media stuff that I certainly wasn't expecting, and I think a lot of us mm-hmm. were like, whoa, this is like for real, for real. Um, <clears throat> and then just the way that day one moved versus the way. Day two moved. I feel like day two, there was a bit more of of a of a kind of just like um, yeah reclamation that happened with us, um, and we kind of made it what we wanted. We self organized in, in all these other ways, um, and then just like and just started to make something else. You know, this like kind of uncontained, um, you know, unscripted like magic. Um, and I just, yeah. it just again, it just says so much to me about like the power of of black black people and black magic right. in any and all circumstances. It's like put us in any circumstance, we will right. we will create magic, we will create <laughs> amazing culture and joy, you know. Um, community. And so it was just so, and and so for me, like when we were singing those songs and when we found our voices together, it was instruments together. That in that A2 was where, like, I just felt so much of, like, ancestrally, like, my people were so, 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 like, thrilled, and there was healing that was able to happen um, in some of that, like, when we were kind of just in that together uh, in a completely different way, you know, with or without cameras present, I think we were just, like, in that spirit of connection together. And I feel like ancestrally there was this ascendance that happened, um, you know, and so I was really grateful for because that was really why I wanted to do it. I was like, I want to do this because I really want, you know, my ancestors to be able to find some healing because there's so much heaviness. Um, like I'm a person that is uh, like, you know, clairvoyant, medium, very like spiritually sensitive, and I can just feel so much from my lineage of just like sadness and spice being stifled and you know and I wanted that I wanted to kind of do that even in in and of itself like almost as a ritual you know in a way to honor them and to create some healing and in that moment that's I think 
in those moments of us doing that, that's when a lot of the healing happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If I could, this is yeah. community again. If I could, if I could interject because you said some things that I thought was very interesting when you were sharing. Uh, I don't know all of your voices uh, because I wasn't able to participate on the second day. But as I listen in, and uh, I apologize to the young lady that I interrupted earlier. It's just something you said really struck with my, with my spirit, and I just wanted you to say to tell you I felt exactly the same way. But I've, I'm actually um, writing a book about my uh, my own life right now, and um, I'm talking about. So I've been doing the research. I'm from a place called Brunswick, North Carolina. So I've been doing the research. Growing up, um, I have a very interesting heritage. Uh, my last name, Kodu, is Nigerian, and that's because I married someone with that last name. And when things didn't work as the way I had expected, I can I continue with my name because it is my name. That's uh, so, and my children have the same name, and I didn't, wasn't going to have a different name. So, but my mother's side of the family is very interesting in that there is a lineage that we can um, follow on my mother's mother's side. And recently, I found out that in that area, they did not have where my grandmother was born. I kept asking, well, where was the plantation that they, they that must have been here? They had to have a plantation. And as I as I've done research, I've I've discovered that. Not all of us um, have this. Not all of us were on um, have slavery in the background. My grandmother's family, and she described as mulattoes, different senses were. But they were they were considered. There was 276 free um, black people in that area. And I keep trying to think, well, where did they come from? Because it's a swampy area. It's like, how did they get there? And there's a, a group of uh, Native Americans that finally have been recognized by the government in the sense that they weren't recognized earlier. They were called Lumbee Indians, and there's others who are called Arcadian Indians. Someone all this interesting, and this is because when I started, um, when I was walking through the thick, uh, the spillway, I was thinking, well, I don't really know all, all about my own, my own um, history. So in the last uh, month or so, I've been working on that since I met Dred Scott, trying to figure out, well, What's my connection? Because I'm on the East Coast, and I know that we had, you know, I know about the Heads of Roads area, but I didn't grow up, I wasn't, I was, my family didn't originate from there. So trying to find our own narrative has been really, really uplifting. That walk changed me. I can't explain it to you guys, but the next day, I just stayed in bed. I, I, I stayed in bed, I got up, I was just like, I was in a, I can't, I was not a fog. Because it was enlightenment. Um, the young person who spoke about being having a sensitivity, it opened up a new channel of sensitivity to me that I have been able to draw on ever since. Like when people do crazy stuff, and then as an, an academic, we have people who can think of some great things to do, some wonderful things to do. And sometimes I just sit back and think, oh, wait a second, I just walked in the shoes or the footprints of people who wanted and relish freedom and created a narrative that now we get to carry forth. I can do I can do all things. So for me, it's been it's been a different type of uh, and I'm in my I'm in my mid fifties. So maybe it's, some people could say it's a midlife crisis. Who knows? But um, I found <laughs> I found this experience very rewarding, and I'm still reaping the benefits of that day. That's beautiful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Damn, thank you for sharing that. There's, there's something interesting that you were saying about, um, you know, there, 
people being there who might not necessarily have ancestral ties to to um, enslaved people. And it, it reminds me of this one woman. I wasn't sure if I was, you know, if there was a space to to bring her up, but there was a woman who joined us who was Nigerian, lived in Brooklyn, but was with us. And it almost seemed like from day one, she was really there to like just troll. And, um, you know, I think you guys remember her. Um, yep. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I remember her garden and Carrie. I know you guys remember her. Um, mm -hmm. She was saying these kind of just outlandish things from the jump and saying things mm. um, that were just very, yeah. you know, performance in instigating. Artist? Yeah, performance yeah. artist from New York. Mm -hmm. and, um, mm -hmm. and it was interesting to me that this Nigerian woman would be drawn to this project, that she would feel like she really, this is something that, cause I think for most of us who were there felt like we needed to be there. Um, and what would make her feel like she needed to be there uh, and as the days went by, it kind of seemed like maybe she was really just there to to be, you know, like to instigate and to troll. And she would say things like, you know, um, you know, what are you a house slave? And um, and she kind of she had has some seemed to have some kind of mental health issues. And um, at one point, basically, when we got to We'd had a couple of interactions that were we were bumping heads, but it was nothing too big. And then when we finally got to um, to the jazz and uh, what is the, the it was the mint. It actually the building that yeah, we're you're on talking about the grounds that yeah, we're it was on, the were really these kind of sacred grounds. It was one of the largest um, slave markets in the South and in Louisiana mm -hmm. that then became the national mint and then became this jazz and um, and and like New Orleans Heritage Museum, and mm -hmm. um, so we're there and sort of having this this great celebration, all being together, and I'll finally, you know, we've walked all this way and we've gone through all that we have together, and um, and we're chanting and singing and and playing and dancing, and then she starts like pulling up her skirt and shaking her ass, and it felt so inappropriate at that time, and so I said, could you? Could you show some respect? Could you, you know, this is not the place. And um, and that's when she started calling me a house slave, calling me light-skinned bitch, um, and really coming for me um, and attacking me verbally and physically. She, you know, like dug a shoulder into me. And, um, and all these things were coming up for me, you know, as a light-skinned person, as a multiracial person, thinking about, you know, sort of my... Um, the levels of, you know, the, there's the man who led this, who Charles Delon, who led, did I say that right, Charles Delon, Delon, anyone French mm -hmm. speakers? Yeah, that's right. Um, but, okay. Uh, who, who really, you know, was one of the main organizers of the rebellion, was also a multiracial man or a mulatto, and um, and just thinking about sort of the different levels of, of access and um, of privilege that come with that. And, um, and yeah, it was just I, 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 can, I, can I just say one thing before you go on? Please. As a Nigerian heritage, I want to apologize to you. I heard her on the bus, and I kept praying that she would stop. I thought she was just trying to instigate, and then I realized maybe there was something like you, as you have also alluded to, maybe there was some 
um, mental health issues. Uh, I, I'm glad I wasn't there the second day because I would have said something to her. Probably that wouldn't have been good. But I do want to <laughs> let you understand that I think that she was searching for something. You all on the bus, Correct. I don't know who was on the bus with me, you guys handled her so well. There was one lady who was really engaging with her and answering her questions in such a a loving but honest way. And I noticed that she, she it seemed like she was an attention seeker because she kept, mm-hmm. like the first day, she kept on just asking the most ridiculous questions that yeah. you could go look up if you wanted to, if you really wanted to know the answer. But I thought it was more a line to take us off our game, and I don't know why she yeah. did it, but that's I prayed that, for her the is, whole time. I prayed for I her the whole time. So I had a really interesting exchange with her um, because I, I, you know, I, she told me she's a performance artist, and so I just asked her straight up, so, well, tell me about your, your artwork. And actually these discussions are part of her, her artwork. She, she told me, like, her artwork is to fuck with people. And so I is to shock people and to, like, you know, just – and that, that's what, what she was doing. And, of course, I, 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 I asked her, like, oh, that's an interesting, you know, kind of art. Um, and I was wondering about, you know, the issue of ownership, right, because this is, this is Red Scott's thing. And she was just like, oh, that's an interesting concept. And, and I think she had already had, um, you know, uh, intended on creating a space where she could pre- do a performance and had mm-hmm. really, um, but, but, and so, and so there's a lot of different kinds of artwork out there. And, and so that might help you put, put her, her mm-hmm. artwork in the context. It's, it's designed to, to make you distrust people in the show, show what you're like when you get in, encounter somebody who doesn't meet your expectations and um, and I think um, I mean that, and that, that's just that's just you know the kind of conversation I had with her. I didn't just like happen to be around her. I just you know, but um, it might have been you I heard over talking with her because you did a very good job speaking with her. I guess my problem was like you said earlier, it was Dred Scott's um, day, and and had we known, had I known that her her art. Um, and maybe it's the element of surprise. It just seems out of place to be what, what yeah. we were doing. But, you know, well, I just didn't engage I think, her. I think it's really important to acknowledge that it wasn't Dred Scott's day. It was all of ours day. And we all came with a particular intention and a particular experience that we wanted to have. And nothing about Dred Scott would have stopped us from having that. And I think that's really what we were talking about when we said, you know, the, the – the, unscripted, like, unruliness that is black magic. And I think it's really interesting that we love to sort of claim, I'm saying we in a general, like, as black folks, when we talk about our our power, we love to claim a sort of ungovernability and a certain wildness. But then then we're also really, really caught up in respectability politics and what it means to act right and what it means to not, like, shake your ass Mm -hmm. in public. And I think that... Um, she was there for us. I think she was an important part of that experience. I think she brought a lot of our real-life culture out into the open. And I'm, like, really grateful that she was there because I think she represented a lot of um, people who were able to be there and a lot of people who maybe wouldn't have even been welcomed in what we want to say 
is a very open space, right? So I guess I'm just like I'm. It's frustrating to me that um, that we struggled so much with her energy because it's such a familiar one and it's such an important one um, to yeah. really be able to be not acting right, like acting up. That's that's part of what we do, right? And you don't want to really yeah. like say this is the right way to do that and this is the wrong way to do that. But the most beautiful moment, I think, was the fact that when that interaction did happen, um, where we were in the circle and it was going to get violent and she did say, what are you, a house nigger, which is like, very, very real, and let's not forget that I'm sure those politics were in that moment, in that original rebellion, but when that happened, we closed the circle so that it wasn't a public exhibit for everybody who was watching us, and we we dealt with it amongst ourselves, and I think that was really, for me, such a lesson, like such a beautiful Mm -hmm. moment to just sort of see these older women step up and step in and navigate that tension that we, like, have to navigate and if it doesn't come up it doesn't get addressed mm-hmm. true true i i yeah, would hey. like to i would like to just um add that i i certainly think that you know what you're right like i think a lot of times even politically we talk about getting all our people free but then we're like but you know we haven't figured out but how like to that. actually like right. <laughs> space for like people who are struggling with addiction. We haven't, you know, we're like we're always talking about getting our people free, but it's also like, you know, we talk in a way that's very kind of maybe of people who have a certain kind of educational background. You know, I, I and I so I, I hear what you say, what you're saying about like what does it mean to for when we say like you know um, have all our people in a room, and I just would push back against a level of accountability when um, I would say kind of like a, it's not even about disruption, but like, I don't, I don't think there's ways. uh, I think, I think people's humanity and dignity should always be respected. Um, And I do think that, um, and I I also don't want to, I actually don't want to spend too much more time talking about this person, but I will say just uh, (laughs) uh, that um, I definitely think there was a way that we needed to step in and say like, look, you know, nobody's going to get left out of this. What do you need to, like, right. be able to be supported, to, like, be, you know, like, be Yeah, in but this I think there's also way. something interesting that you were saying, Jordan, about, like, looking yeah. at this as, as an, oh, sorry, a pit nerd, but, like, in an organizer sense, and how do we make uh-huh. sure people are safe? Because it also came yeah. to the point where it was, like, am I safe? Is she, you know, like, is she going to yeah, come for me yeah. and physically yeah. attack me? And yeah. how do we, you know, kind of create these, um, these communities that are not only that are not only radical and people feel like they can be free exactly. and, and stepping into action, but also yeah. that are safe and what kind That's of what I, yeah. you know, like screenings or what what is it that we're doing to make sure that we're that we're creating yeah. those kind of spaces. Yeah, that's what I wanted to push back against is I feel like when when harm starts to be done in a way, you know, 
um, then I feel like it is a different conversation than just like, um, yeah, like, you know, it doesn't have to be a, 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 a one type of Negro or whatever like that that's comes to the party, but that, that you know, okay, you know, come, come all ye people who are here for liberation, come all ye people who are here, yeah. you know, for, for freedom, come all ye people. It doesn't have to be that, but we do have to kick into another mode when um, people are meant to, people are, people are acting in ways that make them feel unsafe and harm, intentional kind of harm is done. Mm-hmm. And I think like I'm down for that person being there. I'm down for it also how do we respond to, to, to those moments? I'm down for that. I'm down for how we actually did come together to, like, love up on each other and create a container mm-hmm. that was necessary. But, yeah, I know mm-hmm. I also kind of feel like we, we also – because, you know, we can't just all – you know, we can't – we just can't also disrespect each other. And I don't mean that in a respectability way. I mean that in just, like, you know, your personhood, your body things like that yeah mm-hmm. absolutely yeah. i just think it's important to remember like <laughs> oh. it's also uh, i have to leave so lo- lovely talking to you all the one thing i wanted to throw in about all that i i just i didn't appreciate her energy but then when i was leaving i was like oh that's probably more like a real revolution would be <laughs> like right. there's people yeah. that you don't want to talk to <laughs> <laughs> anyway yeah. yeah. I wanted to mention I wanted to ask who um who's the person that has to leave? Carrie. I think that's Carrie. Carrie. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay, Carrie. <laughs> yeah, thanks so much for joining us. Mhm. Be well, Carrie. Take good care. Yeah. Um I wanted to mention um uh and then I have a question for Nicole uh Eugene. Uh I wanted to mention that um during the um the Haitian Revolution, which um, um, New Orleans is, is a port city and is a part of the Caribbean, that um, when uh, Dessalines uh, was really, you know, uh, Bukman and Mom Fatiman met, you know, on the mountain and declared that, you know, we are going to take, you know, our freedom, um, Toussaint Louverture didn't, wasn't really in agreement. He, he you know, he wanted to save his, his master's. And Dessalines told him, like, no, they got to go. And and so, you know, he had to make a choice. Um, and and so I'm just thinking around, around, around our liberation and around, you know, who we are as, as an army, you know, that, um, yeah, people's different responses um, to, mm-hmm. to the idea of freedom. To the call. You know, some people... Mm-hmm. People decided to like close the door and and hide out. Some people went and told <laughs> you know the, the you know slave master that they could all evacuate and then show up on the rear and sort of um, uh, come at come at the army from a, another direction and then you know take all their arms so there was there wasn't enough ammunition. So people had these um, uh, uh, farming imp- implements not because they were cute on the set but because. There were no guns. They were like looking for this arsenal, you know, all these guns that they knew were stockpiled that weren't there when they got to these different plantations. So, so you know, having this um, provocateur, let's say, and maybe she mm-hmm. was one of others, um, kind of like you know, it was almost like a leg butt kind of thing, right? It's sort of like, what are you going to do with this energy? <laughs> you know, what are going to be your mm, choices? Interesting. And, oh, and so, you know, I think we met that test because you know she is still walking. <laughs> and uh and and we got to New Orleans and you know it was still freedom or death and 
Um, and, and yeah, and, you know, whatever the lesson was that she needed to get, you know, I'm sure she got it um, or she's getting it. So it all kind of worked out, um, I think. Um, but thank you so well, much, Wanda? you know, for raising that. Yeah, I didn't want I realized, like, that was kind of the reactions. Like, y'all reacted like that was kind of the point of her, her, her doing what she does because, because it creates, I mean, I, I studied um Sociology okay, so and communication, and so there's just certain patterns that we that we have, and 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 I didn't want it to like go on unconsciously. Right. If I can say something, the young lady who's speaking, I can't, I don't know everyone's name. Can you tell me your name? The, the, the person who was just talking. Yeah, this is Nicole. Nicole. Okay. Thank you for putting that in context, because out of context. Um, when she was talking on the bus behind me, I, first of all, I didn't know she was a performance artist. Okay, I thought she was just, you know, somebody who joined the, the march, didn't know that this was her thing. But I realized her language offended me, and it could be age-related because she did a whole lot of cursing. That's what I that's what I remember her about her sitting behind me. And she was, every other word was to me was like a swear word. And so I know that this is generational because, like, I grew up never saying and still don't say the N-word because to me that's a curse word and it's not a word. But I hear my students saying it all the time to each other. When I was in Norfolk, they, they, you know, they would say, what's up, and say the word. And I, and it, my skin would always crawl. So I think part of my problem with her, now that I know that you told me, and I appreciate your um, giving me perspective, but I still have problems with the fact that we – had I known this is what she was going to do, then I would have accepted her premise of what she was doing. But she was asking some very rudimentary questions and almost making, to me, making the distinction that she was not African-American. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, and, and I was like, right? but nobody's going to know that you're Nigerian if they, by looking at you. They go, they see a black person. But I never answered her. I just listened to what she was asking. I don't know, I think at this point, and we can move on. Yeah, well, I think the perspective of I have a lot of African friends, a lot of friends from different countries, and and there is um, when it comes to slavery and when it comes to oppression of Black people, their experiences are really different. They come from a a country where where they were able to dream about being president. They were able to. They didn't have deal with racism the way that when you when you grow up in this country you you have to you have to deal with it and you learn about it you know about it and so their their vantage point is often very very different from when it comes to issues of, of oppression and and uh, liberation because because they you know their families and their experience of the world is is based on on this, this the freedom that that African Americans don't don't have and um, may may never have, right? We got we're still working on on getting it. Um, but but yeah, that that might also inform like the why she she saw like this opportunity as um, as as something as a as a stage for her, as, and and less less about the the ongoing need for for liberation of African Americans because because a lot of my African friends. Like when it comes to talking about mass incarceration, when it comes to talking about racism and stuff, there they have no 
no strain of black strains. I mean, they might have had, have had bad things happen, but, but as immigrants, like they're not expecting a welcome that, right? And so, and so their, their experience is really, is, is more about ethnocentrism and, and less about, about, they're less aware of those politics. It takes several years for, and, and also what really wanting to, to know about that that story for them to to be able to join this conversation in a really meaningful way, um, but some of them do, and and I and it is important to to not like paint them all with one with with that brush with that, with that brush that you got, right? <laughs> but um, but yeah, and it's it's um, so so it's it's an, it's really interesting to hear to hear all of y'all's reactions and how y'all process it because it definitely I mean that's part of what what her objective was, but it's also good to, to, to diffuse it, right, in this way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just want to throw throw in the term uh, colonialism because, um, <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> uh, because, you know, colonialism is, is also enslavement, and, um, right. you know, when, when you're uh, you know, when your resources and your and also your mind more so than your resources are enslaved. Like I'm a French person. Like no, you're not. You know, you you know, you're um, <laughs> you know, your mm-hmm. uh, whatever your um, mm-hmm. uh, you know your ethnic identity is. But you don't speak your language anymore. You speak only yeah, French, like you know, or you only speak English. You don't speak Ga or Twi, right? Or you know, um, or in Southern Africa, you know, folks come up. As Europeans, don't know any of that 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 struggle for independence and people being in prison for 27 years, right? So, yeah. So it's you know there's stuff everywhere for struggle. African people. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. yeah so, and yeah, and there and there are connections. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to ask you, Nicole, um, uh, because I was just looking at um, some of your your research. And, um, and and your research focuses on the particular ways hidden disabilities, especially, especially neurological disabilities, are shaped by cultural dynamics. And and you you mm-hmm. know you use cultural studies, uh, qualitative ethnographic, and autoethnographic methods to examine the experience of navigating a visual culture with a hidden disability. And I was just thinking about our ancestors, right? Um, you know, it's like no, nobody. There was no ADA, so and I was just thinking, you know, about how, uh, you know, how, you know, people were able to like do so much, um, and sometimes, you know, with you know, you know, physical or um, cognitive, you know, sort of, uh, sort of remixing, you know, because you know, e- either you either you produced or you got punished. punished. You know, it was like there was no understanding a lot of times. People would be worked to death on these cane plantations, these cane fields, because, you know, the sugar plantations were a different kind of um, enslavement. I mean, people were literally worked to death, and then a new shipment of Africans would come in and replace the ones that died. Forty Mm -hmm. was old. And also all of that work and labor that, that literally killed people is what created the wealth that made America mm-hmm. stand out from the rest of the world, and that that's mm-hmm. how we got to the, the 20th century, you know, way ahead of, of Europe and and other developed nations, and it's all all by stealing people's like health and ability and um, work 
um, and without without any kind of consequence. And um, it it is it's all connected. Um, but and so and so yeah, I appreciate that 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 question. I mean, and and also situating in that because this is also part of what what we continue to have to deal with in this society where it's it's content to exploit people and devalue people and, and not not care, not provide care for for our our, our ailments and this um and it's 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 you know, we're still we're still trying to fight our freedom, right? In many ways. And that's why this is so so powerful because it helps us imagine and that this desire in a way that that is is part of this longer story and um because because it's really easy to get distracted today oh my gosh there's so many distractions but there's this larger narrative that that we need to move you know uh, forward and it's it is all about moving closer to 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 being able to to use our lives and our and our health and our wellness and benefits the the benefits of our labor you know based on on our how how we choose to to use it not because we we um uh, are you know required to 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 do to to spend our money in certain ways but um so yeah that that is it's all connected mm. Um, I wanted to just jump in as Jarden and say, yeah, I think, like, there's something, I mean, you know, Dread, um, I had a chance to go to a few talks after. I know a few of us spoke about, like, um, like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe this is over. And fortunately <laughs> for some of the folks who live in New Orleans, there were about, like, three talkbacks um, that happened. Mm-hmm. One happened at Tulane, UNO, and then there was a um, just, like, private talk back with all the participants reenacted and so forth, you know? Um, and mm-hmm. so, obviously, it just brought a lot of needed space for reflection. Um, but, you know, there's something about, like, you know, uh, Dredd, you know, Dredd kind of had his talking points about the project, and he, you continue to hear him say that this um, that this uh, project was about freedom and emancipation and what it meant to embody that. And in, in, in thinking of, like, that key word, embodiment, you know, there was just a mm-hmm. way of when your bodies are like live on this like pilgrimage that we were on, you know, and, and what, what I think Victoria spoke about, many people spoke about, you know, just everything that comes up, everything that comes up when when your body is like feeling all these things. And I mm-hmm. certainly, you know, um, I just thought a lot of like, uh, I said this in one of the talkbacks that day one, you know, because we like had such a rigorous like hike if you want to call it you know and I went I decided to go back home you know because I, I really wanted to sleep in my own bed I really knew that in order to keep doing this like I needed to have just a little bit of comfort like even if it was momentary you know but there I was I think after Kelsey and I we had a like pretty pretty long beautiful debrief heading back mm-hmm. to my house heading back to my house and child I couldn't even move my leg out the car like I mean it was like it was so intense right let alone I live on the second floor you know of a building so then it was like stairs too you know 
And like, I, I finally, like, got in my house, sat down, and I really felt like it was important to just, like, be still. Just really because I couldn't do much more, but be still. <laughs> but be, <laughs> be still and, and reflect, you know. And there was just something that fell on me where I was thinking about how my body felt. And it was like, this is just like a voluntary hike, pilgrimage. I cannot imagine the bodies of our ancestors, you know, being pushed on ships, you know, crammed into spaces, you know, living on just, you know, just such in poor, poor, poor conditions, you know, Mm -hmm. and then day and day out, the waking up and the same thing. And and that feeling and that kind of, I don't know, yeah, that feeling going through me just, I just, I wept. You know, I cried because mm-hmm. I was like, because I was thinking of like, okay, here goes like, I have this like hip hip joint pain going on, but hey, I'm getting out there tomorrow. And obviously, this was also in the embodiment of like freedom, liberation, right? So it's a different kind of calling. But just thinking about like the bodies of so many people not being their own, and the bodies of of our people being tortured like this, and mm-hmm. I really made me it really kind of fell on me just like a, a different level of how atrocious this whole system of slavery was, you know, because folks invented ways to make people suffer, right? You know, like yeah. you'd be put put underground in a cage, underground, you know, in the dark, naked, you know, all kinds of wild stuff. The stuff somebody brought up, uh, Dolphine Lollerie, all the ways that she tortured mm-hmm. people, you know, and, and then – and then when we raise the question of reparations, it's like, well, wait, hold on a second now. <laughs> like, as if, are you kidding me? You know, um, and so, uh, yeah, there's just something about, I think it was really powerful to actually embody something to this degree because we, we had a lot of comfort and support to a degree that it was like a, you know, production and a team mm-hmm. and a Budget. Mm-hmm. But then there were just also things that you you weren't sheltered from, you know, <laughs> you weren't kept from like the soreness and the realness of how your body felt, the elements, you know, that bitter cold, but, that yeah. mm-hmm. some of that stuff. You know what I'm saying? I, I mean, we sat outside, yeah. you know, nobody like brought out couches for us to sit and eat lunch, you know. Yeah. So it was like um, there was just a realness of of that, and and it made me think about the just case for reparations um, when I just think mm-hmm. about the toll that our bodies went through, like our, you know, our ancestors' bodies um, and what was just kind of used to build this this country, um, build so many countries and islands and places across the world, um, kind of build this empire. Um, and then I just want to say, I don't want to take up too much more space, but I, I would like for us to also take a, a bigger moment to also honor that this was, like, largely about black people and um, there was this beautiful space of um, indigenous, a a beautiful space of indigenous presence. And I think it was really um, important that that happened alongside. And I think, I think we do have a lot of, I would say, I would say somewhere like our histories have kind of been passed down in a way where we don't actually get all the truth of like the strength of the relationships of, African people and indigenous people. And mm-hmm. um, it was really cool to um, try to live in that, you know, even though it was in this imperfect way. Everything about this was, like, imperfect, right? 
But like to live in that, I know for me it was really powerful. Some of the people I forget, I think his name Pierre, who wore the like super fierce red, um, and Sierra, and I think it was just something really. Mm-hmm. I hope it, I hope it felt. I hope that for them the impact was deeper, um, and and um, but it felt like super, super beautiful and critical that their presence was there and that they led um, the pieces that they led and that it continued to create space for engagement and conversation because I do think that these narratives sometimes there's like there's the enslaved people narrative and then there's the like indigenous people's narrative that's way over there and those things actually weren't that far removed from each right. other, you know. Yeah. And so um, and Darden, I just thought sorry. being in that practice was, was good in a way. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Definitely. Thank you. That's beautiful. Um, and what it also was bringing up for me is that intersectionality is that this, you know, we had this because we're in costume and we have this production element and this, you know, performative element, we have the ability to sort of uh, be using our imaginations and be taken out of the reality of the, like, how how physically taxing or how, you know, emotionally taxing these times are and to sort of be, like, sitting them in the past when it's also still so present, right? There are still so many people who are being forced into migration in all these different ways around the world and who are coming to our borders and here we are the very country who that that established itself on the backs of slave labor and here there are people who are coming to us who have been walking for years from wherever in the world they might be coming from and we're throwing them in in prison and okay. there's also that you know intersectionality there with the with with um with refugee populations around the world uh who are seeking liberation in their own ways and um, and going through these off, you know, being shoved in on boats and starved and and killed um, because they're seeking, you know, a safe place to create their families. Mm-hmm. 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 Okay. That's, that's yeah. Really I want. Yeah, I wanted to ask. Um, sorry for interrupting you. I wanted to ask um, Jordan if you could maybe share some of the impressions um, or some of the feedback from the closed session, like what were people saying, um, just oh. sort of maybe some things that stick with you. And and then also I wanted to ask, um, whoever said that they had some of the soundtracks, send it to me, 30 minutes is not too long. I could play it at the end of our conversation so our audience I can kind of get a feel for it. Hmm? Oh, cool. Um, I believe that I sent it. I'm not sure if oh. it went through. Okay. Um, no, it didn't because I'm looking. <laughs> I I, can, yeah, I have some recordings I can try. So you you want us to try to send it before the call is up? Yeah, before the show's over, because I okay. it can even go into um I can play it, you know, after we finish, because I have, even though the show technically is over at ten, um okay. I mm-hmm. get I get an hour more. <laughs> so anyway. Oh wow! Look at you, Wanda. <laughs> Um, so Wanda, okay. it says it went to um, WandaSavere at gmail.com, is that right? Oh, it did? Okay. All right. I'll I'll, yeah. I'll do a search for it. Okay. okay. I'll, I'll, I, just, I, I'll let what Victoria sent you. No, you can, you can send yours, too, if it's, if it's easy, okay. and, uh, you know, I'll get more than okay. I need. Okay. okay. Super. Yeah. Thank you. Try that. Yeah, so some okay. of the reflections, um, again, like, you know, I felt like super fortunate because I know <laughs> we, uh, uh, many of us were like, after, after Congo Square, I mean, we were so just exhausted, but, but like, 
um, really, really, really still kind of, um, you know, we, we, we made it to this place of victory. And so it was like also wanting more connection. But um, I want to say on the Wednesday or Thursday was when we had a closed session. Uh, and it was a go around. There were probably about, it was a good amount of folks that turned out for maybe about a good 40 people or so um, that came. And, you know, um, I think some of the highlights for me was there was um, there was a, a guy who I, uh, you know, we saw him um, um, all in the mix. I cannot remember his name. Um, but he was actually recently released from being in prison for 10 years. Like he recently got out um, a year before this project. Um, you know, he got out of prison spent 10 years. And so he was, he just had some really like incredible reflections. One, one, a lot to do with, I think kind of what you were even speaking of Victoria is this like, who gets to come to the party, you know, sort of thing, who gets the invite, you know, cause he had this feeling of like, you know, I've just kind of been seen as what seems like to me like less of a person for so long and even in the society after I, I've gotten out. And, you know, reentry has been, you know, weird uh, and, and, and isolating. And then here it is that I get to be in this incredible pro- project, you know, of something that means so much. Um, so he was just, like, super proud, you know, and and on a whole other feeling of just being able to be involved in it. And then he even talked about, like, um, you know, where where the where everything culminated in Congo Square. He's like, you know, I live a few blocks from there and talking about all this. And, you know, like my homies, people around the way, they don't even know anything about this history, you know. So he was also just talking about, you know, some of the – disconnections just from people so close to the history, you know, um, mm-hmm. but just who don't know about it. Um, and then there was another person um, who was 76 years old who marched, you know, and he talks about, you know, again, we were talking about, like, just the state of how our bodies felt and so forth, and this 76-year-old man um, participating in this, you know. I don't Yeah, that's, yeah, that's my friend, Brother Aleem, uh, Ralph. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. Uh-huh. I, I couldn't imagine what it could feel like. I mean, I'm I'm 33, so it, it what what a body what my body could have been feeling like at 76 doing this. But you know, he talked about his just the spirit of it of like I conditioned for this. You know, I kind of worked out, got myself ready, and that was just so so touching. You know, um, and then um, I I think in some of the reflections, myself and several people, Nick, um, um, uh, Tresha, um, Aaron. We lifted up uh, what, how powerful it was to um, actually reimagine this story with queer and trans and gender nonconforming mm-hmm. black bodies um, mm-hmm. visible and present in this. And um, it was like, oh wait a second, yeah, like we was all up in this, you know. And we <laughs> we brought we brought a lot of. Um, brought a lot of magic and brought a lot of intentionality and brought a lot of, you know, care. So I think that was a reflection. And then another reflection was also um, just, of uh, again, talking about kind of the way um, it's like a, a parallel to organizing is you, you very much saw that, like, the black women, the black queer women, trans and gender nonconforming people were, were kind of at the center of also just, like, 
bringing some of the self-organizing, like, shifts for the better. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, right. um, that ingenuity was, like, really anchored, you know, by by us. And it just made me think, like, to imagine, um, yeah, during a time of enslavement or during a time of, you know, you know, just think of a number of different things where um, that, I guess, that wisdom, that, um, you know, that uh, sense of kind of ingenuity or, or technology even was brought forth by us, you know, to make what this experience was for the better. So those are some of the highlights, I would say. Uh, mm-hmm. But there were so many more, um, so many more. Yeah. Okay. And so, um, other? Know, this, this is Camille. I just wanted to know, listening to um, – has, have any of you gone to see the movie Harriet? Yes, I did. I did, yes. Because one of the things when he was talking about, I don't know if you recall the scene where they had, when she, they saw the, it was one of the persons when they were processing the man that got the freedom and they took his shirt off and they saw all the, you know, the bruises on his body. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you recall that. But just that alone. Think about a lot of them probably had already been tortured in oh. the books, and and oh, so wow. it could have been the thing that pushed them to the edge and said, "I'm sick of this, and there's no way I'm going to continue in this. It's either I'm going to live free or die." And that's kind of how my mindset was when we were walking. I was like, "I'm going to I'm going to either pass out on this on this street, and somebody's going to have to pick me up, but I'm going to keep moving forward." But just that whole um, politics of the black body and what that means in the space that we were in. Um, I don't know if you read um, Ta-Nehisi Coates' book, Between the World, but um, I just got that kind of, that was the thing that kept, like, the, running through my mind to keep me moving forward, that, you know, they are, we've been bruised and we've been scorned and, you know, we've been, been mistreated in such ways, and now we're taking this back, we're taking back, we're, we're, we're reclaiming our time. Um, this generation is not going to let the past generation not be recognized. And never in a book have I read in that history book do they talk about anything about the rebellions, not Nat Turner's rebellion, not any of the rebellions that happened in um, North Carolina. We definitely on the East Coast didn't learn about this rebellion. And, in fact, when I put it on my Facebook page that I was doing it, so many of my friends and colleagues and professionals um, of all uh, shapes, sizes, hues, and colors responded to me like, we never learned this. And so they went out, and they've, now people have been um, influenced to do more of their own research to learn about what we brought to the light. But I just wanted the, the, the black body politics of how we're getting shot in the back when we, we're we not resisting. And they'll say, you see video after video of this type of uh, thing where you where you are not um, saying anything and you still get hurt. You know, the police, send, every time I think about Sandra Bland and the videos I saw when she was simply saying, you know, you pulled me over unfairly, and, and he didn't like that. And she, the re- result was of her black body to be, for her to be killed. You know, I, I think about the young man that was playing in the park with the BB gun, and they just rolled up and, and shot him. There was no conversation. And the fact that we're still living in some sort of mental slavery um, that. I worry about my students when they leave. I, I told them I, when I was, I said, I worry about every time you leave the university campus. But I know that's not realistic. I cannot keep you on campus. 
but I ask you when you go, you know, live the fight to live the, another day because, you know, having a dead body, a, a dead body can't talk and tell, and you're not left left here to tell your narrative. I actually have a friend who just whose daughter had just lost her child in a horrible accident. You may have heard about this. The, I don't know if it's made in national news, but they sent me the clip yesterday, and she was grieving the loss of her four-year-old child, and she was trying to figure out how she was going to make arrangements for this child. And the police rolled up on her, accused her of burglarizing cars. It just got to be crazy. That's the world we live in. And, but it gives me hope to know that we we are descendants of those people who survived this rebellion and that we get to tell their story, and it, it has not died. They try to bury it, bury the story. They wouldn't put it in a book so we would know about it because that would empower us. I really got great power from that walk, and as I told you earlier, I still feel a sense of the ancestors are working and working to, through me and with me so that we can continue to share our narrative. Tashe. Tashe. Yeah. <laughs> but um, as soon as, um, I don't know, maybe you call call back in or something, I don't know, but I can't, we can't hear you yet. Um, but uh, definitely want you to contribute to the conversation, which um, has been really, really wonderful this morning. And Wanda, I just uh, shared the files with you, but um, it's that technology oh. thing of, um, I can't send it unless I'm off the phone. So I think as soon as I hang oh. up, maybe you'll get them all, and then you can thread it in or something like that. I'm, oh, I'm okay. not sure oh, how that'll this work. Works out. So we'll see. Okay, yeah. sure. Well, we can do it in a rebroadcast, no problem. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I, I wanted you. to. Uh, I wanted to. I wanted to add to what you were saying because that was really powerful. Because I feel like you know some of what was happening was like we already had this spirit of, like, rebellion and resistance. I think many of us who came to the table already had that, you know. <laughs> so um, mm-hmm. that kind of go, goes without saying. And then I think it was, I think we got a chance to practice that even more. And I felt like I, I spoke to this maybe er- earlier, but you saw it just, <laughs> just, like, happening in this much more, like, um, intensified way. So, like, as an example, I feel like, Basically, I feel like the kind of organizing principle of, is like of a uh, of like if if our needs aren't being met, we will we will find the means to meet our ne- needs by any means necessary. You know, some of that was happening, and so as an example, uh, you know, at the end of day one, super brutal day, really cold, people were just over it. Okay, and we found a path. We found a path, and it was like end of day, we're gonna head back to the school, and folks were like okay, folks, you know, people in the production team were like, all right, folks, jump on this um, charter bus. We can get mm-hmm. you all there. And folks was like, hell no. Nah. I can see the school right here. <laughs> I'm just going to make a beeline, get myself to the school, forget all that, you know. Um, and it was so funny because here we were still, again, like dressed full on with, like, weapons in hand for all intents and purposes going through the school, right? And it was actually, we made it. You know, one person followed the other, and the other put the word. And so there was at least, like, maybe 15 of us that were, like, heading in the direction of the school. We made it to the school, and turns out, what? It was the wrong school. <laughs> it was not where we had actually started, right? So there was this experience of this white lady, y'all, who had, like, two kids, and she was in, like, full scared white lady mode. 
like, protecting her kids. And she was like, um, are you all in the right place, you know? <laughs> Uh, and it was just like a really interesting reaction because we of a, of like being I don't know I mean because I felt like we we were just like time traveling you know at the same time we were like in between and in between all these worlds and so that the reality kind of of being brought back into this plane of like oh yeah you know um, that's right we are like black people you know. Um, full on and kind of like maroon <laughs> in, in like maroon mode right now and what that looks like, what the objects of that looks like um, on this side <laughs> of, of you know, of the plane. Um, but it was interesting. It was just interesting, like the dance of that moment, like this white lady who was clearly like very uncomfortable, who we didn't did not care about because we were interested in meeting our needs of just like getting back to the school. Um, and then that spirit of just, like, rebellion, of just, like, look, we don't need, like, cute directions and a cute little charter bus. We can figure it out ourselves, like, how to take care of ourselves, each other, and meet our needs. I felt like that just, like, was happening all throughout the whole experience. And, again, it just kind of, like, I think speaks to this, like, I don't know. I'm a, I, may, I, I might sound like I'm essentializing, but this very, like, African principle of just, like, look, sometimes, you just got to do what you got to do, you know, when there's just a sense of urgency, you do what you can do to meet your needs. You don't ask permission. You don't wait, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Did anyone spend the night, the first night? I did. I spent the night. Did him. Oh, tell what us you're about speaking it, because um, I didn't either. Um, I slept at the school. Um, Starting what you were speaking about reminded me a little bit of, of um, the debriefing that we were doing you know, after night one and and talking about how a lot of the people on the production team were white people. Oh, and yeah, we yeah. were, you know, receiving a lot of directives from white people and this really interesting power dynamic and, and struggle that I think have started to rise up with amongst us um, where, you know, we were doing this seemingly at times seemingly straightforward thing like right you just keep on walking you keep on moving forward um but receiving maybe misinformation or information from um the mouths of of white people and feeling like there's still something there's an imbalance there and um yeah i don't know that i was just reminded of that when you were saying that you you met up with this woman while you were um returning back to the base uh that there were those moments that were like constantly pulling you in and out of um of like a period of of sense of of um of rebellion a sense of like have we have we moved forward are we still recreating these same um these same structures of power even as we're trying to do this super radical act absolutely I mean that blew me away, y'all. Like, think I I wanted I wanted us to get here at some point, like not maybe take up the whole time, but it was a reality of the experience. Mm-hmm. I think like um I, I wrote some reflections before we got on this uh this uh, show was that I felt like the reenactors were in this production, but we weren't of the production. We were of something much larger, right? And um, even how we were sort of like prepped to know about this was like, okay, 
you know, we are reenacting, embodying this moment, this really powerful moment, and reimagining something else. We weren't really told, like, the size and scale of, like, press, and we weren't. Well, I, I really didn't have a sense that, like, there was going to be this whole production team of just, like, professionals <laughs> and, like, business as usual people <laughs> that we were going to be right. met with in this experience. And so, and I don't I, think Dredd did either until, you know. I, think I don't think of... he did either, yeah. To be to be fair, yeah. I don't think maybe he did either. But I, know, but I, I will say that, you know, if within this there was a reality, t- could have been a reality TV show of, like, Let's watch what happens when black people dress as enslaved folks, like interface with white people. It was a wild experience, and I and it was it blew me away that what what I felt, um, in, especially day one in many spaces was like even in spite of me being in like slave regalia, you can't get your like white supremacy culture behavior together. You get what I'm saying? Right. Like yeah. it blew my mind how how much, like, this one white guy, I was like, damn, who is this guy? He sounds like a cop. How are we experience this, experiencing this in a moment that's, uh, I feel like, super sacred and is about our, like, freedom, emancipation, liberation, and imagining something else? So it was, it was I think what I said to you, Kelsey, was, like, it felt like in, in that aspect of it, the head was connected, disconnected, I repeat, disconnected from the body. You know, and so, um, again, I think that's why it was really important the way we kind of decided to sew something different together for ourselves to meet our needs because our needs were certainly not being met from this this space of, like, kind of honoring the sacred and, like, I mean, really, let's be real, like, super vulnerable and super raw. Like, we were... I mean, I don't, I, you know, there, I mean, nobody wrote a handbook on how to, like, um, tap back into, like, ancestral memory of something this deep, right? But certainly I feel like being, like, herded by white people in certain aspects of the day was not a part of it, you know? And so I feel like, I feel like, um, I feel like there, there, there could have been and should have been a little more intentionality and grounding and maybe some training of, like, hey, I get that this is like a, a artistic production whole thing thing, and we have deadlines and time timelines and budget and all that stuff to meet. And at the same time, this isn't just like a, a cast of like extras that are doing this. These are people who are really tapping into something different. And so, right. you know, entering this from a spirit, from an energy of it being sacred. Enter from a from a from a place of gentleness and honoring. Enter from a place of possibility. Oh, so you know, you're asking was, them to have your perspective, but they have a really different perspective, and it's hard to. It, it, and so it'd be interesting to find out their perspective and like what are what are, you know, what how do they create community and meaning out of this, but it's not going to be the same way we're doing it because we have a different of legacy and a different community and a different like, you know, social identity and we just have to navigate the space differently. But, but yeah, I but think, I mean, I've I mean, been, I've been, I've been in organizing out. spaces where it's like you've been, you've, we've done actions side by side with each other and you don't just like have irreverent white people be a part of it. You know, there's ways to like, <laughs> I, I, give it, I give an example. I actually talked with some friends to debrief this who have this whole, um, like, creative theatrical performance piece they do in Detroit. 
and they involve white people in it, and they also bring their the white people through a, a really intentional and like rigorous uh, uh, training, you know, on just how to show up. And so there are ways. It doesn't. It's not to say it's not about stepping in the shoes of black people because you can never do that ever. But it is about grounding and intentionality. And I think that that could have happened. If we were able to get a crane camera on top of a levee in Laplace, we could have had a training, <laughs> you know, um, to just get people kind of, you know, information a little better. I mean, you know, for people who went to mm-hmm. the trainings, we were trained on, like, what to do to de-escalate, how to move your body, how to shift, how to think, X, Y, Z. It was a missing right. element. It was a missing element. And so, I mean, I... I, I, I think you can hear what he's saying. Part of what I welcome, 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 I, welcome Dad. And okay. I see, as you talk about this, and I can't help but envision, like, you know, just the Bob Sneed, like, just telling us what to do, right? And that's part of the the contract and, and, and just that that um the, that imagery and that as a motif, right, has is creating a lot of um of a juxtaposition, right, to, to what <laughs> what we're experiencing and what we're and it's and it's and it's not it's not a really flattering um position, right? Um I think that's that's an interesting um an interesting way to interpret and, and make sense of, of what we like of the way in which that, that pattern, you know, emerged and was a part of our, our shared experience. Yeah, and, I, and so I could see how how like maybe there could be other ways in which in which instead of the, you know the largest white man I think I've seen in a while, right? And instead of him like you know relying on just his his voice and to like make stuff happen, like there might have been another some thought put into the optics of that, right? And I think that's what you're saying, right? Yeah, I'm just saying that I think there could have I think it was a it was a multi-level experience, right? There was a reality of a project in production. There was a reality also of the black people who took the call to be a part of this. And the black people who took the call, we yeah, we got a little we got a cute little $200 check. Shout out to the check. But like <laughs> people didn't come from Oakland. And people didn't come from New York because they were like, you know what, artistic project. I mean, maybe, who knows? I can't speak for everybody, but that's that's my general feeling of the people that I talked to. And so I think because, because we were holding this line of, because we were holding this line of something uh, way just like really just out of this world. Like I said, we time traveled. It was just a lot. I think that, I think when you're asking people, because we showed up. We showed up. Nobody fell out. Nobody passed out. God forbid. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, mm-hmm. somebody could have somebody could have felt the spirit of Shango while they had that machete and went, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. If, I don't know. I don't know. If, and so, if I can just I, add to what you're yeah. saying, because you're making a, a wonderful point, and it happened right at the very beginning on the first day. Do you yeah. remember when we were in the gymnasium, and I was sitting around, and I was waiting for them to pour the libation? Because you know that's usually and and so we, I think we had a we had like a prayer and I think we only had a prayer right that was the only thing they did yeah we right we didn't have anyone come 
to represent because the young lady sitting behind me, that's why we poured the libation outside. But mm-hmm. I thought that would be um, a no-brainer. You know, you got people here who are of a certain spirit. And also, I didn't, you know, we didn't make any reference to anything other than we had one person pray. Um, and I just thought it would seem kind of interesting. Yeah. Hi, Jared. But I thought uh, that was Hi, can you hear me? Can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you. Yeah. Okay, great. And, and speak First to your off, point, young man. Pardon? Yeah. Yeah. So, first off, thanks for doing this. And and I really hear what people have said. On the libations thing, we intended to have somebody do libations, and it didn't work out. I mean, that, that was something that was sort of a no-brainer, and it just, uh, you know, Luther Gray was going to have one of the – um, mamas that, that actually were at the end doing libations come to the beginning, and that, for whatever reason, that did not work out. Um, as far as the the relations with white people, I I agree. I hear you. Um, and, it, I mean, the person who said that this was bigger than I expected, the press corps, the amount of white people, that was not something I recognized until sort of the day in a certain sense, and I take responsibility for that. Um, and yeah, it, it would have been entirely possible to have trained some of the, the you know, people who were supporting this to be much more sort of respectful and in keeping with uh, the project if we had recognized the problem early enough. And I, yeah, I, I agree. I, I hear what you're saying and, and it would have been a better experience probably for everybody had we done that. Um, and then I also am touched beyond belief that people are talking about how, you know, we were time traveling. I think that's kind of true, but it's sort of, I don't know of anybody else on such a large scale that, that can say the amount of people that did that and, and how it really touched them. And so, um, so yeah, I mean, I, I both accept the critique, but also um, recognize the people who were saying the, the connection and the power and the spirit that they were feeling in this, and, and that's very moving for me. Hmm. Yeah. So, so, so Dred, since, since we have you, um, um, I was wondering if um, we could get sort of, because um, I wasn't able to make it to any of those meetings in New Orleans, and um, and they're not posted yet, um, you know, for us to watch um, on the website, I wanted to know if you could talk a little bit about about your takeaways because you know the reenactment is sort of in keeping with the kind of work you do around around black liberation and around freedom and um and so you know from the reception on Thursday evening at the uh, art gallery you know to these days you know where you know, I didn't get a chance to see any, yeah, I didn't get a chance to go to the Andre plantation and see the wounding of 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 the of the slave master and the killing of his son yeah. and then the other stuff that happened. So I was just wondering if you, maybe you could talk about sort of your, um, you know, just talk about the experience and then your takeaways. Yeah. Um, I mean, the experience for me, I mean, I told people this is sort of the most amazing thing I've ever done with the possible exception of raising a, a child who I think is, I mean, is now an adult. Um, they're they're an adult. And, and But this was, I mean, to have the amount of people that have told me that this was so meaningful and one of the 
you know, most beautiful things they've been part of or, or life-changing or something, that's, I feel that to be part of sort of initiating that and, and, and um, you know, it was amazing. And being in the space that we were in, and I, I sort of feel that, you know, there, there was real growth and transformation over the course of the two days. I mean, when everybody did show up in the gymnasium on Monday, that was one thing. But, but by the time we got to the old U.S. Mint, it was, I mean, fierce women had kind of taken taken this project on in a just amazing, amazing way. And when they were chanting "Ashe, Ashe, Liberté, Liberté," it was it was so powerful. It was just, I mean, the the you know, I described the project as being kind of a framework and a collaborative project where it, you know, I initiated it, but it really needs to be a community engaged project where people take it up. And at, and once we got to the mint what was happening was it was way not just my project. It was a lot of people's project and, and people had owned it in new ways and much in better ways than I could even begin to comprehend comma. And, and it was just the most beautiful space I've ever been in at that point. Um, And, you know, hearing people talk afterwards and we, you know, didn't know all of what was unleashed until afterwards, you know, um, you know, hearing, you know, somebody, I mean, I, and one of the people that I met on the route, and I didn't know that much about, I mean, but he had just gotten finished doing, you know, a 10 year bid and, and, you know, being sort of embodying freedom sort of after having recently been incarcerated for so long was very meaningful to, to Suntel and, and, you know, hearing, um, you know, I mean, and again, that, that uh, Uncle Bobby and Beatrice were, came out. I mean, when I heard that they were coming, I was like, this this project matters in ways way beyond what I sort of, you know, you know, I, I had my hopes. But, I mean, the fact that, that y'all um, heard that call and then got on a plane and, and then came and, you know, walked through the cold and the wet and the, you know, and, and, and put one foot in front of the other because of how it both meant for understanding this past and this and how how our ancestors fought for freedom, but also what it meant in the present and actually getting justice for for people who were you know under the gun of the police and and actually trying to build a movement for liberation in in, in other ways. Um, you know, this was you know it was kind of mind blowing how how it brought people together or or that there was somebody who was whose great, great grandmother participated and, you know, Sammy Ross, you know, I, I didn't know that. I, I didn't know that I had met her when she came to a, a reenactment rehearsal training for, to use muskets, to use the musket training. And she had driven nine hours from, I believe, Tallahassee. And she was going to, you know, get in her car and drive nine hours back that night. And we found a place for her to stay, which was great. So she did, but you know, she didn't have enough money for to stay and she didn't even ask. And when we said, look, this is crazy to drive another, you know, to come for a three hour rehearsal and drive 18 hours in a day. That's, that's crazy. But then to find out that, that, you know, her great, great grandmother was one of the rebels of 1811. It was, you know, that people connected with this is so moving and makes the project so much richer. And there's so much that I feel that, I as an individual don't know, but there's a lot of stories that we just don't know. And, and we're going to, you know, the, some of the, the team at Antenna is going to be sending out so, sort of like a survey to all of the reenactors so that we can hopefully learn a little bit more because I think, you know, every story I've heard multiply that by three or 400 and, and you'll get a much deeper story of what, what actually happened and was unleashed. And then also thinking about how it moves into the future that, you know, this really was, something that, you know, connects 
not just to the past, but to, to the future. And, and so, um, you know, I've, I've heard, you know, like, uh, you know, some of the activists from justice and beyond who are fighting in camp, you know, against the toxic corporations in cancer alley talk about, you know, how this connected, this past connected to their present. And, and so, yeah, it was, I mean, I, I was just touched to be kind of part of it. And, and so, thankful and grateful for all the, the, the courageous and, and, and sort of soul searching or not soul searching, but the, the work that people did, the, the, where they were willing to go with sort of this ancestral past and, and how they were willing to think about liberation in the present, um, mm-hmm. you know, to me it was just amazing. And, and um, you know, it really was a collective collaborative project that had many sort of people participating for a range of reasons, but all very much in keeping with what the project is about. And, and while I, not to minimize any of the weaknesses and shortcomings and things that could have been done differently, I, I just think that this was, you know, amazing. I mean, I think it was amazing. It was, you know, uh, something I, I, you know, will will probably remember for the rest of my life is, is just this beautiful experience. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And well, I have another one more question. Yeah, I wanted to ask you, um, Dred. You mentioned um, I think you lost your voice um, between <laughs> um, Friday and Saturday, but you did yeah, spend the yeah. night. And and I was just wondering um, if you could share, um, just because you mentioned, I'm not sure where you mentioned it, but how how such a rewarding experience that was, you know, being able to like, you know sleep you didn't get a chance to camp out because it was too cold but you know just spend the night with the army well i actually did i did stay outside i mean there were three of us yeah it was me um uh uh um stefan and uh mojik mojik tyler who happens to be my child um who's Mm -hmm. they're 22 now so it's not like a kid but um Mm -hmm. yeah we i started out with just blankets and then it got cold until I got a sleeping bag and stayed out. And it was, it was cold. It was hard. Um, and I think for this question of embodying this, it was really, it was, it was important for, for me to have done it. And I wished others could have been, but it, it could have done it. And it was just, there was too much. We weren't able to pull. I mean, there was, there were so many things pulling against the project, even in the day before it, that we weren't able to actually really make it so that more people could have stayed outside. And I think more would have mm-hmm. if they knew it was possible. But just it was, I mean, and y'all who were there, I mean, it was that first day was, it was hard work. I mean, both emotionally, but also physically. And it was cold. And, 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 but, you know, as somebody, as a performance artist, I mean, it was sort of important for me to really feel, I mean, and I know that in 1811, people might have had a fire and they might have had a wool coat, so it would have been warmer. But it still, I mean, in 1811, in January, it was cold. It was cold and rainy. We know how rainy and cold it was. We don't know how cold it was. We didn't. I, I haven't seen a report on whether it was 35 degrees or 40 degrees or something, but we know that it was very cold. Um, and so it was important to have my body experience that, and I think for those of us who did it, realizing the strength of people who came before us was important, and to know that, you know, worst case, I'm going to get a little bit cold and maybe sick or something like that, but I'm going to live through this. Um, was, you know, enabled me to say, wow, when people didn't have that freedom and luxury, 
that it, you know, but I knew that I could draw on that strength. And so it was important and it affected my body the second day. I mean, I was really hoping, man, I hope it's warmer because I'm cold. My body hurts. The ground is hard. The ground is cold. Um, but that, but also it was toxic as hell. I mean, Norco, I mean, I had a sore throat, I think partially from shouting, but partially because I was breathing in burning petrol and, and you hear this, I mean, there's this fireball that's just, you know, a half mile from where we were sleeping. That is the burn off that they have for the, the, um, the natural gas. They don't know what to do with it. And so they just burn it off and it's this thing Mm -hmm. that lights up the sky, but it is also in the back of my throat. Even even when I you know went there the day before and didn't stay overnight it was hurting it just because of the, the the chemicals that are there and so knowing how it's poisoning people you know was actually part of part of that experience and even though it meant that I couldn't it was harder and harder to talk on Saturday that it was very much worth doing and getting a sense of what people in in the present are kind of experiencing and and I I sort of describe it as you know, I lost my individual voice because of this, but our collective voice grew much stronger. Um, mm-hmm. so. That's good. Wow. good. That's good. Yeah. yeah, thanks. And um, so I wanted to ask all of you if um, maybe we could um, uh, talk about, um, you know, day two, those that were were there. And, you know, I, I didn't see um, – I, I was told that there were, like, these polls that people – went through and under into Armstrong Park. Um mm-hmm. but by the time um we got to that part of the um of the entrance, the women in white, the healers were there but there was nothing for us to walk through so I didn't know that that had happened until um Brother Aleem where Ralph told me that, you know, his daughter was one of the people holding the arch. Um so anyway, but it was just it's just so so beautiful the way there was there were people to to cheer us, you know that we 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 made it to New Orleans, you know, mm-hmm. um, yeah. and um, yeah, and and then the Mardi Gras Indians and the drummers and and the whole you know wonderful calling of the names from the stage and and the way you thought uh, dread of having you know us all call the names and and your collaboration with Delfeo. Uh, Adelphio, sorry, Marcellus and his band, and then the woman um, who uh, sang, whose name I don't know, and um, and then Sonny who did the wonderful poem. So I was wondering if, if we could talk about that for a minute. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the you know, this was, again, really collaborative, and I, I reached out to Baba Luther to have him sort of organize a lot of the music and, and how we would come in. And I said, you know, I really wanted to make sure there was somebody doing libations and if Mama Sula or somebody else could be part of that. And I, I said, you know, we really do want to do this, you know, Janelle Monet song and have all the, many of the reenactors come up with their weapons and, and lift up the names of the, the, you know, rebels from 1811. Um, but that was sort of the broad remit and, 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 you know, he, put together the rest. I mean, he, you know, I, I, you know, in my heart, we would love to, you know, had Mardi Gras Indians and, and specifically Payaya, um, but I, but I didn't sort of ask for that. He, you know, thought that up and put that together and went, went to the broader community to have that happen and then to walk in under these, you know, poles that were, you know, held, held by these healers was, was, it was really beautiful and touching. But I, you know, I think that, you know, again, various people heard the call and, and, 
put in what they understood was needed to to make it happen. And you know, I as I said, there was some stuff that I somewhat directed, but largely it was you know people getting the spirit of what this was about and and contributing to 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 make it much better than if it was just all out of the head of one person or even a couple people. It was you know, um, yeah. I mean, and and you know, so I mean, like Mapo, who was one of the reenactors. Her former husband and current boyfriend was one of the drummers, and I know that she felt very welcome by having that there. There were, you know, a lot of the the people who traditionally play in Congo Square, you know, are were there, and 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 it was sort of that joining of this this space, which has been kept alive by you know the Congo Square Preservation Society and other individuals, to sort of merge with this project, and then then to bring you know Delfeo Marcellus and and Faiya and 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 you know it was. It was it was really amazing, and the singer's name was Grace. I can't remember her last name right now, I, I, and, but um, you know she really, you know, I, I think really brought it. And, and it was even that was, you know, because we didn't rehearse it, um, you know, it, it wasn't exactly as I envisioned, and I think the band wasn't exactly sure what they were doing, and they did. But by the time you got about five or six names in, everybody caught it and was playing and and, and lifting everything on a much stronger level, and that that was. I think the nature of the project, which was just amazing to see happen in real time. Yeah. Other comments? Yeah, I have. I don't know if, if there are other people on. I don't want to keep jumping in in front of folks, but you know, no, I, no, everyone I is still just... here. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. okay. Still here. Everyone okay. feels quiet. <laughs> okay. Um. Uh. We're in deep reflection mode. <laughs> But um yeah, I I wanted to take it just a step back just to even um when we made it to New Orleans and we arrived at at the mint and then just like uh what just broke out just energetically, you know, how we we were sort of like getting in this formation and then there was just this like real moment of celebration, you know, and mm-hmm. chance and Shout out to uh, Jordan, Rome, and Julie, yeah. and Amy, yeah. and um, I think the person's name is May May. Just all, I mean, you, there's a there's an Instagram video that came out of of people around Jordan, and this beautiful, just like guttural, fiery, you know, chant that just everybody was in. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, I mean, I fully, wholeheartedly, without a doubt, <laughs> feel like that moment was made possible because we really felt like, you know, we had arrived in this big liberation moment. You know, it was a real feeling, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, for your for your body to be just, like, uh, pushed, for you to be kind of, like, standing on this legacy of, like, wow, if I feel like this, you know, yesterday, what did our ancestors feel like? Or, or just even just feeling motivated by this community we had just created together, I mean, it was just a real feeling, um, I think, uh, that people were in. And so we just carried that through all the way through, um, you know, through parts of I think we were on, like, I don't know, can't remember, Decatur and whatever got us into um, Armstrong Park. I mean, that just, like, joyous celebratory thing, it was, a, it, was a, it was like a similar, like, it was a culmination, but it was also like a very different feeling from, marching through, like, the more rural parts, Laplace and so forth, like being in New Orleans, marching through New Orleans, you know, in that spirit, 
that high energy mm-hmm. was something totally different. It was also really, um, you know, for a, a couple seconds, you kind of peep the uh, responses from uh, onlookers, you know. <laughs> so some people were like, yeah. what the fuck, New Orleans? Like, what y'all? what are y'all doing today? You know, because New Orleans is also full of spontaneity and things like wild things happen every day here in the city. But also just uh, to be kind of met by onlookers who are just like, kind of in that feeling and moment of celebration with us, like feeling also supported by that. And then and then it just kept getting bigger and bigger. And then there we were in Congo Square, and it was just like, I don't know, it just was, it was overwhelming and, and really surreal. It, it was really hard to kind of allow my mind to take everything in because it was just so much going on. Um, but, yeah, I just felt like that that whole moment in New Orleans was just massive. And just a quick side note, the uh, Slave Rebellion uh, reenactment mass choir, we were practicing some things on the bus. We were like, okay, we kind of had to practice a little. We had a little set list going. We were not playing around about just like also trying to like organize ourselves within this a little more to be like, okay, you know, because we thought, I think we thought we were going to be marching for like a, a pretty longer duration before we got into Congo Square. And so there was something really beautiful of just, like, us, again, um, coming together as what felt like this collective energetically um, and just kind of with each other to even prepare, like, songs and more chants. And some of those came out, and then – but the moment was just so big. It was like I feel like we were just in this – I don't even know. We were in this bigger moment um, collectively, and so there was so much happening within and around all of that. but it was incredible. It was incredible, like nothing I have ever experienced in my entire life. <laughs> Absolutely. Jordan, I agree. And I have to, this is Kelsey, I have to jump off the line here in a minute, but I just wanted to also speak to that spontaneity and the fact that we got to end there at Congo Square, which is, you know, what they call the birthplace of jazz, and have all this great improvisational moment. I mean, that is, we got there and that was jazz. It was like we just embodied the entire evolution of yeah. jazz music in two days. And to be there with you all was so, so powerful. And to do that time traveling and that unifying and all of these moments of not only with the people who are there, but our ancestors and, and to really feel like we're, we're shifting through spaces of spirits and time and, um, and being able to come together in that way was an incredible moment in, in my life. So thank you guys so much. Uh, thank you, Wanda, for organizing us here today and Dread for all yeah. you did. And, and um, I have to jump off, but I really hope that we get a chance to continue building things like this together and that, you know, there are so many of these histories that now we have all this learning from as well that we can apply in the future and, and hopefully just continue to get free in this way together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. yeah. Thank you, Kelsey. Thank you, you all. Talk to Thank you. you. Next time. Was that brass band that joined us as we entered into Congo Square? Were they meant to be a part of our <laughs> procession, or did we just kind of catch them up? I really wanted to know. There was like a, some some gentlemen trumpets and a tuba. I. I don't know. Do, I mean, okay. I talked I talked with Bubba Luther about having a band join us, but I don't think that ever actually kind of got sort of fully developed. 
And so I think right. it's spontaneous, but I don't know. That's awesome. Hmm. I mean, it kind of felt spontaneous because <laughs> I felt like they sort of looked at us like, what's happening? But then they quickly were just like, oh, like, we know how to join the parade. Oh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's New Orleans. That's so great. That's new, it was a very right. New Orleans gathering. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I felt I felt like when we arrived, it was like, even though the, the park was massive, I felt like, you know, again, I know I keep speaking ancestrally, but it was like, it was the amount of people who were there in physical form times 10, you know, because I really feel like, mm-hmm. um, you know, the descendants of that rebellion um, and and the people who died in that rebellion and so many more people, you know, spiritually were also there in Congo Square, you know, because significantly it's also where, where enslaved people, you know, uh, had a chance to gather historically. And so it just did a lot, I think, of healing for, for so many people for, for something like that to be reenacted and kind of relived in a way, but then also transcended to something more liberatory, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I also have to get going. This is Victoria, but thank you, Wanda, for for a great morning. I really appreciate this time with y'all. I enjoyed hearing the voices of the choir again, and just uh, <laughs> stay up, everybody. And thank you. Yeah, yeah we well. have to do a recording I, I had a, for the choir. Wanda, don't play, don't play, Wanda. No, I'm not playing. I'm serious. I'm serious. We we, I mean, we have a really wonderful soundtrack. We need to like, record this. Whoa! At least three. It could be at least three tracks. Mm-hmm. At least three yeah. tracks. Yeah. yeah, and then yeah. it could be a part of the liberation fund, right, for future That's right. actions. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. <laughs> this sounds like a dream come true. <laughs> <laughs> we know no war was ever won without music. So. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. Well, be well, Victoria. <laughs> Thank okay. you, y'all. Take yeah. care. Thank you, Victoria. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you. Uh, it's, uh, so, in, any closing time. thoughts from anyone that's still left um, with us in the yeah, studio? I was gonna gonna say on uh, a closing thought. I um, somebody was talking about what's happened the next day, and I had a flight I needed to catch the next day. But but I woke up hearing freedom, liberty, freedom, liberty, and and it carried me through the morning and. I I do occasionally hear hear the chant of of the walk and and it, it galvanizes me and, and moves me in in important ways and um and this was something that you know there's a number of of unexpected and charming surprises that that were part of this event and that is one that that uh, continues to to move with you know, move me. Um, and so, yes, this has been a really powerful uh, experience. And, of course, I'm really happy to be able to talk about this experience with, with you all and process it and hear uh, about all of the ways in which it resonated with, with the various people. Um, and, and, of course, it was it's great that, that Dred Scott, you were able to join us um, and, and, um, and did participate in this, in this conversation. Um, and, and so again, thanks for inviting me and letting me be a part of this, Wanda. Oh, well, thank you. I'm looking forward to continuing this conversation, you know, and action in other ways. Because we're still not yeah. free yet, right? That's why this is so I important. Know. 
You know, not right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Y'all have a good day. You too. Alrighty. You too. Peace and blessings. Wanda, okay. I have to jump so, off too now. Um, but okay. thank you all so much for you know for participating, but also and for Wanda for organizing this this conversation and and for the brief period I was able to hear it. I, I mean, I just really thank you guys for sharing and taking more time to be part of it. And and um, I look forward to listening to the the whole thing once it's once Wanda you have it sort of archived somewhere so we can hear it. But, um, sure, yeah, it's, it's in great. iTunes um, among other places. Yeah. But yeah, I'll send okay. you a link for sure, everyone. Okay, thank. You. Well, thank you, and you're, and you're um, be well. And it was just again so wonderful to march toward freedom with all you guys, and hopefully we will continue that march in different forms. Thank you. Yeah, yeah Thanks, right. freedom or death. That's right. Hi. <laughs> you take good care, Dred. Peace and blessings. <laughs> okay. So I'm um, still on, one I'm still on here, Wanda. Okay, cool. It's Jordan. Um, yeah, this is my Jordan. last reflection. And I, you know, I'm, yeah, I'm thank you so, so much for all of your great reflections. I mean, just like, wow. Oh, just really no, great, great sharing. Thank you. Can you tell I'm a talker? Um, <laughs> but but not, just, not just that. It's just like there's something that happens when you get to, you know, I mean, I'm sure there's been like many moments like this. If you've participated in an action or if you've done anything creative, when you're, when you're in this like collective energy with people, you just feed off of each other, you know, and so it's mm-hmm. been so energizing to actually just feed off of like the memories and the, the kind of reliving um, somewhat, I guess you could say almost nostalgia now. Um, and then, um, yeah, just feeling it over again. I guess just my last reflection is, um, I mean, you know, I I like to live and think abundantly in my life. And, um, you know, I oftentimes have had, like, amazing experiences in my life and things I've done, places I've been able to go. And people are like, wow, that's so amazing you've done that. That's like a once-in-a-lifetime thing. And I always kind of push back against that to say, no, that's not once-in-a-lifetime. Like, you know, there's many more moments to come like this, right? But I really, mm-hmm. truly feel like I, I think it's fair to say that the slave rebellion reenactment was a once-in-a-lifetime experience, you know, and mm-hmm. um, and just something so rich and beautiful and complicated, you know, at the same time. But it was it was it was what it was. It was real and it was powerful. And I think my biggest takeaway just really has to do with the uh, the healing that we were able to do to, in honoring the people who gave their lives to just this notion of, of, of not even notion, action, you know, in action um, towards, towards liberation and freedom and their vision that they had and, and, you know, the, the project of like actually honoring this legacy um, by saying, you know, this has been such a small footnote in history books, yet this was something so big um, and, and re and really kind of being able to <clears throat> kind of put a magnifying glass to it to make it big and to make it be uh, honored. Um, So, I mean, you know, as much as like the press piece was really complicated, it's great seeing, I have a, I have like a little Google alert to to send me updates every time something slave rebellion reenactment pops up and Mm. I'm still getting alerts, you know? And so it's Mm -hmm. amazing to see um, how this history and legacy now has also been elevated 
Um, and just amazing, like, all the incredible people that participated in this. Um, again, as complex as we all were, there was not a, a monolith of black people. It wasn't like the woke black people decided to be a part of this. It was all kind of black people, you know, um, um, which is great, mm-hmm. which, is, which, is what, which is what our society should look like. Um, and also uh, there was this kind of uh, pan-African or, um, experience where you had African-Americans, um, U.S. black people, you had Caribbean black people be, um, choosing to be a part of this because they, they also felt the significance, you know, of this. Um, so there was just so many layers. It, it, I mean, you know, it may take me an entire year to really fully articulate and process all of this, but more than anything, um, I am so happy that I participated because it absolutely changed my life. It absolutely healed me on a uh, level in this realm and also uh, ancestrally and spiritually. And it, and it more than anything, connected me to incredible people that, um, you know, even for some folks, if we never see each other again, our heartstrings are attached in the sense of we all were a part of this. Um, and then there's mm-hmm. some people where, yeah, we, we, we're going to do our best to just keep up with each other and show each other love and check up on each other and support each other's work, you know, into the futures. And so, yeah, there's so much. Mm, yeah, yeah. Well, look forward to, you know, having other conversations um, yeah. because, you know, this, this, like you mentioned, this experience for those that weren't able to be present um, mm-hmm. for one or both days it's something mm-hmm. that you know we could talk about, but we can't really we can't really like do it justice with words because it was something that you had to like experience. You had to feel how yeah. like I don't know yeah. if I'm going to be able to lift my feet the next day, right? Because like, <laughs> well, I yeah. thought I was in good shape. I thought I could do this, yeah. but wow, something about walking on rocks on a levee, you know, through toxic, Man, you. you know, um, okay. a toxic atmosphere, and then mm-hmm. the weather getting cold and just sort of standing mm-hmm. around for two hours at lunchtime, mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. the sun going down, and there's a battle, and your people don't mm-hmm. win, and how, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was just a whole lot. I mean, it was yeah. a really, those were some full, full days, right? Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah, yeah. But it was I, beautiful. You know, I have I have to say just one more quick thing, which was the transition back into the real world or this realm, if you will. <laughs> it was just so it was so wild and it was really funny, Wanda, where I felt like God was just like literally um taking all the jokes. So after Congo Square, it's Saturday night. I've made it back to my car, made it back to my apartment. But right before going back home, or I needed to pop out again to the store. So for the first time, I'm out of these clothes, you know, mm-hmm. I'm, and I'm sort of like re-entering, right? And I'm just in my regular jardin clothes, street clothes and everything. Pop to the store to get some water, right? And um, I'm at the cash register. And the song on the radio in, in the Whole Foods um, is, mm-hmm. and I would walk 500 miles, and I would walk 500 more. Do you know this song? 
Mm-mm, no, I don't. Uh-uh. Oh my gosh, it just was. It was. It's like a, I just think it's like an '80s song or something like that. But I just was like, this yeah. is God laughing at me so hard that here's a song on the radio. <laughs> five hundred. You know, here's a song on the radio talking about right. walking five hundred miles after <laughs> I had just done this pilgrimage thing, right? And um, mm-hmm. and I remember just even looking around me, and I didn't, I didn't feel like I had actually arrived back in 2019 just yet. Like I, I looked, I was looking around in the grocery store and it, I, I, yeah, it, again, the time traveling thing was like a real trip and it took me, it took me about a whole day to kind of just come back to like present um, day uh, after this experience. And so that I never experienced. Um, so you can only experience that if you participate in it, you know. Mm-hmm. Right, right, yeah. which, which yeah. you know, sort of it's a lesson for people that say, man, I wish I would have done it. It's just, mm-hmm. you know, um, you because know, I, I traveled from, you know, from, from San Jose. Uh, I mean, I live in mm-hmm. the East Bay, but the cheaper ticket was um, about an hour away at another airport. So, wow. I got, you know, I flew into one airport, flew out of one airport and flew back into San Francisco, right. and it took me three hours to get home wow. uh, when I finally got back um here because uh, there was something happening with the public transit system. <laughs> mm. so, I mean, well, I'm like just standing. It's like, oh my gosh, I really wish I was home. And um, mm-hmm. you know, and but but it was just like, you know, you think about these moments, and you're like, I'm mm-hmm. so happy I was there because it's yeah. never gonna yeah. happen again. Just like yeah. you know, January 1811, you know, yeah. it didn't happen anymore, but we reenacted it, and. Yeah. And look, it took um, Dred Scott. Gosh, it took him. I don't know, quite a few. Yeah, it took a lot of years yeah. to be able to pull that yeah. off. And yeah. he said, yeah. "This is it, folks." But you know, that doesn't yeah. say that you know we can't get together. So I'm thinking, since you're in New Orleans, I don't know what the weather's going to be like on uh-huh. January eighth, two thousand twenty. But I'm thinking, I want to mm-hmm. do a meetup, and and I was thinking <laughs> we could get. We could get, um, you know, the um, that that tour company that does historic, you know, African centered tours to like take us to those spots because I didn't get to the Andre Plantation, and I want to go mm. to the other big one, the Dresher one, and I want to go oh. to that church. I want to like you go to the do those hand. spots. I yeah, think we need yeah. To, I and, think and, we need to give ourselves mm-hmm. a little time to, to organize. I think it's very possible. I think it. Well, I don't know. I mean, endless possibility. I know that can be a little mm-hmm. challenging with the holidays, um, but um, I think it's very doable if people want to, you know, mm-hmm. um, kind of regather, collect ourselves on a certain level. I think we have to mm-hmm. kind of, you know, see what that really could and would look like. I know there are lots of people who. Um, still want to be in this together and still kind of want to be like one body in this, um, you know, together. So, yeah, I think we should do a little poll to see what's possible. Uh, I know I'm going to be in Cuba, <laughs> so I know for oh, me, are I you? won't be able to. Okay. Yeah. So you'll be in Cuba but over the um, the, the changing of the, of the Gregorian calendar to the next one. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But, nice, but, nice. but I, I, I'm I'm definitely down for I think you know and that's something that Dred mentioned because I think maybe you know I don't know if he felt it on his shoulders but you know there's that like you know there's that like next iteration what do we do what do we make of this and I think um, you know he's been clear to say like this was it and 
mm-hmm. and yeah. what people want to make make of it is up to them. And I think that that's also really powerful. That uh, obviously we use our agency, you know, to make of this whatever continuation, succession, next iteration of it, um, you know, what we want, what we feel is necessary, and and mm-hmm. how beautiful if if we get to continue to kind of have. Um, holidays, if you will, of honoring this like this, these rebellious spirits, you know, who mm-hmm, who right. didn't know didn't know my name, didn't know your name, but did this um, definitely, you know, for the sake of of uh, our liberation and freedom, you know. Well, we weren't we weren't here yet. <laughs> I know that's what I'm saying, but, but you know, yeah. in, I'm saying I'm in a sense of like they they wanted liberation for for th- themselves and for the future generations. You know. Totally. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, because yeah. when they when they stood facing those muskets with farm implements, you know, they knew it was like, mm-hmm. okay, liberty or death. It was like literal. Um literal. and and that and that those um you know, those those plantation owners chose to kill these Africans who chose mm-hmm. to take their freedom in cold mm-hmm. blood because they didn't have to do that. They knew that mm-hmm. they they had the Africans surrounded. They knew that mm-hmm. they did not have any more weapons. After they killed the mm-hmm. first eighty in one round, it's like okay, well they have no weapons to fire at us. We can mm-hmm. just go in there and just arrest them all. But no, mm-hmm. they decided to keep on shooting. I mean, mm-hmm. that, that I, mean, was, I, know, mean I mean, the the atrocity of of uh, the atrocity mm-hmm. and just like level of violence. You know, is mm-hmm. it's, it's yeah. wild to just think about, like you know, like I said, the ways that people suffering was continued to be, um, continue to evolve and and evolve. Like you know, you know, how do you keep keep a group of people or a person um, feeling like they are literally not even a, not even a person, not even mm-hmm. with you know uh, attached to a soul or you know, mm-hmm. and, and and reinventing ways to to remove them from their bodies and 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 make them suffer. Is is this wild? Um, I can't even imagine. But so even mm-hmm. more to be faced with that reality and say, hey, we going, we moving. You know, that's mm-hmm. I mean, that's the spirit we were standing on, and that's that's mm-hmm. who we were moving on, and that's incredible. And I feel, I definitely think it 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 shines a light for me when I think about, you know. These moments where individual and the personal struggle, um, and even thinking about systematic things, you know, we we're 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 sitting on and standing on a a legacy. It's something so much bigger that if we think about moving with our collective power of African people, of brown people, mm-hmm. you know, of our of our allies, we can really make something move. You know, so. Mhm. Right. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, yeah, yeah, because you know we we definitely come from a powerful people, and yep. and we just need to tap into that. We definitely are not victims, you know. Um, no, and and we have everything we need to be successful. Yeah. So yeah, and yeah. and we just that have to realize that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Oh wow! Well, have a wonderful yeah, time yeah, in Cuba. How long are you going to be there? Thank you. I'm going to be there. I leave on the 18th. It's kind of basically all a okay. part of my, um, um, you know, I make December. December for me is not at all about Jesus. It's about Jardis. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so um, my birthday <laughs> my birthday is on 
on December 20th um, for everybody that's going to hear this podcast. Uh, But so because my birthday is in December, I've kind of had a ritual and tradition of – of traveling, you know, internationally through that time of, like, my new year. So it's really my new mm-hmm. year, and I like to do it big. I'm Sagittarius. Sagittarians, we mm-hmm. kind of, <laughs> we we go a little hard. And so, yeah, mm-hmm. so I have uh, people and family down there. This will be, like, my fourth trip, and I'm okay. also in the process of starting a business called Black Butterfly Travels. And so, um, uh, you know, so, yeah, I go and I stay with family, Um down there, and uh, I think I should probably stop talking about that at this point, because Cuba stuff has gotten weird. There's been a lot of uh, policing and surveillance around, like, travel there, so yeah, that's what I want to Yeah, I go for Mm -hmm. religious purposes, and I'm with my family, um, and I'm traveling with my birthday. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah, yeah, well, um, I uh, I do I do my uh, my half birthday uh, celebration on your birthday because I was born June twentieth. Oh. <laughs> nice. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So awesome. I will be celebrating on your birthday too. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Um, that's great. <laughs> yeah, because so sometimes fun. our birthdays are the equinoxes, right? Yeah, mine is the uh, right the first day of that. summer, and yours is sometimes the first day of winter. Yeah, it's just around that time. That's right. That's mm-hmm. right. Yeah. 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 So, well, yeah. awesome. So this call was awesome. I mean, this show was awesome. I I'm, I really want to continue to follow the show. Um, if you have incredible people like this on, I, I got to definitely stay, keep staying, staying uh, tuned to to uh, the show. And big up to you, Wanda, for um, helping to kind of keep the fire and magic going uh, by creating this space. Um, really appreciate that. Oh, you're quite welcome. Yeah, look forward to yeah. uh, seeing you again, you know, face-to-face and to our time in yeah. the studio. You have to let us know sort of, you know, how to coordinate that. <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, I because, think, I think yeah. a, a follow-up with the Slave Rebellion reenactment um, mass choir would, mm-hmm. would be awesome. I really, truly think people would be down. Um, I think it's a, most of us we have each other's uh, phone numbers, and if not, we have mm-hmm. we have the email list to kind of go – so it's, um, right. but, uh, mm-hmm. um, yeah, because I think, um, like I said, there were so many offshoots of, uh, like, subcultures within the Slavery Rebellion reenactment um, squads <laughs> of people. Mm-hmm. And so we were yeah. certainly, like, a subculture. And so it would be cool to just, like, share a little bit and talk about, um, you know, how we kind of came into formation and maybe sing some mm-hmm. of the songs, um, you know, and, and even just, like, that energy of looking out for each other because we definitely got in that place where, like, we didn't want to squad up anymore. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, we, we didn't want to lose anyone when, you know, right, once we, right. like, squatted yeah, up cause, together, you know? Yeah, because when they were trying to just sort of get us together, I'm like, no, I was with some people. Like, yeah, you know, when yeah, they were, like, yeah. trying to put us, like, no, I need I need to be right. with my people. And said, well, you can catch <laughs> yeah, up. At, yeah. Like, no, 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 I can't catch up. No. So where are they? Yeah, and think about it. Think about how fast. <laughs> Once we got to New Orleans, everything moved so fast, right? Like, so, mm-hmm. we, yeah, it was yeah. important for us to actually be in that together. So, I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. it's just beautiful. And I, and I think for me, I don't know if people were, you know, identified as, like, black feminists or, or whatever, but that I, I also just felt like there was this, like, um, kind of intercommunal 